Bam, we're I'm live. Looking, always looking down. Good morning, guys. Uh, I, I screwed up. I thought this was going to be a um, 7.30 a.m. podcast, and uh, it, it is a 7.30 a.m. podcast with Justin Kotler of Underdogs Athletic Athletics. Underdogs Athletics. Sounds right. But 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 before we start, uh, we got Nikki Rodriguez for thirty um, minutes, which is pretty awesome. He should be on here any minute, and we have Jason Kleba also. I wonder if maybe the link I sent them doesn't work. It's not. It's very <laughs> unlike Jason. Yeah. To be uh, late. Let me see. I'll, I'll invite again. Copy to. Bam. I feel like I can't drink out of my I small see. paper cups anymore. After that was eight. a good time to come. Now's a good time to come on the show started. <laughs> uh, and um, you guys know who Kleep is and you guys know who uh, Nikki Rodriguez is. Nikki Rodriguez has been on the show twice before. He's the uh, member of the uh, B team. Oh, we, we have a different setting for Nikki. There he is. Same wardrobe, different setting. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. There's Jason. Oh boy. Uh, what's what's Thanks up, Nikki? Good. Is your Jason? Good morning, Nikki. Is is your bathroom being used? Is someone taking a shit? Why <laughs> why have you changed locations, buddy? No, nobody's home. So I'm gonna figure out bring you guys to the kitchen. You know, Just, are you, you naked under there? I'm always naked. <laughs> In all um, honesty, how often how how often throughout the duration of the day do you wear a shirt? You think? Uh, when it's warm out, not not much, dude. When I was in Puerto Rico, I'd go days without wearing a shirt. I'd go to, I'd wake up, walk my dog shirtless, go to practice, train shirtless, go lift shirtless at my buddy's gym, and that was it. That's the reason to move to Hawaii. So you, yeah. all you have to do is wear live in board shorts. Uh, not a bad gig. Uh, Nikki, is is any part of you like, hey, motherfucker, I've been on your show twice, like, and now you're text you texting me and DMing me and getting me on a third time. What are you doing? Uh no no I mean if I uh, if I didn't want to watch I'd just keep ignoring you so oh, perfect <laughs> I mean <yeah. laughs> uh, the show is like uh, the show is like um Sesame Street it it, it sucks because I don't tell the guests this once you've been on once like you have to keep coming on mm. and um you well it's a little different than Sesame Street Sesame Street is homophobic sexist and racist this show is completely <laughs> open and welcome to everyone and loves everyone. Um, but you're like Big Bird, and Jason's like Snuffleupagus, and Susan has a little more of a permanent role. He's like, like, like one of the fixtures, like the light post. But I appreciate you um, coming on as a regular. And Big Bird's, you know, as a kid, I loved it when Big Bird, you know, would like come on. You'd be like, oh shit, there he is. Yeah. So, okay. I was, Nikki, I was, Nikki's like, what the fuck is Savon talking about? Like, always. <laughs> uh, hey, it is um. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, did you see it? Dude, our video is actually performing pretty well. The 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 we have a that YouTube video that's out. It uh it has like sixty thousand views in five days. It's it, I think you know what what I uh I don't know if you saw, but there was some there was a a lot of love and a, a few haters on that one, but it, it but it but it's doing it's performing well. Yeah, yeah. What are the are the haters about you, Jason? Yeah. There's a few yeah. haters like, oh, Jason didn't know what a rear naked choke was and he's no purple belt. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 easy there, buddy. 
I know exactly where rear naked is. <laughs> Nikki was showing me a different variation of it, right? Like, or a slight adjustment, I should say. Yeah. And then number two, of course, I'm gonna look like a white belt going against him. Like, <laughs> right. like easy to watch it. You know, the guy's massive and obviously talented. And uh, anyway, it's just those keyboard warriors who who really. Anyways, there was a few haters on there. Okay, and they haven't started making shirts about what you said, did they? No, no shirts. Oh, okay. Well, I might have you beat. <laughs> Go ahead, Nikki. What were you gonna say? Uh, I was just saying, can I let them hurt your feelings, man? They're, uh, yeah, keyboard warriors for sure. Oh, dude, they're not hurting my feelings. It's all good. <laughs> I like it that it has 60,000 views, and it's kind of a second run of this. This was already played on Flow Grappling. We've all seen this, and then it comes out two months later, and it's still killing it on YouTube, which is a, a testament to how good the video is, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, You, you know, I was. it's uncomfortable for me to say your name, Nikki. Cause, cause you're, you're, you're like such a big man and like Nikki's like my little brother and like, you're no, you're no Nikki. It's, it's, I'm more, I'm more of like a, more like a big kid to be honest. I'm only, I consider, consider myself a bit of a child. Mostly. Yeah. You have the, you, and you have that big kid vibe, but like Nikki's just such a, um, I mean, it works for you. It's like misleading, right? Like your opponent's like, Oh, I'm going up against Nikki. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped the Y it's Nick. I think my my I was always Nick, and I think my my high school coach started calling me Nicky Rod, and it just kind of uh, stuck, you know, all the hoodies and and stuff throughout competing, and when I just kind of uh, flowed with Nicky Nicky Rod. It's good. When you, so I I have a friend um who Jason probably doesn't remember who rolled with Jason a couple of years ago when Jason was a white belt, and um he said Jason was dangerous, just your typical white belt, but like worse. Because he was so fucking strong. And I don't roll, but there's this phenomenon with white belts where they can be dangerous. They can come in there and they just like, did you get any of that from Jason? Like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, this, Jason, is, this guy's fucking dangerous. Uh, I need to just smash him. Jason's definitely a superior athlete. I mean, honestly, we rolled for like 40 minutes and, uh, you know, he did, did not stop. You know, didn't really get tired. It's really interesting. uh to see a guy like as with as much muscle mass as Jason has has to, to have the, that really uh, you know long term endurance. So yeah, he's he's good for sure. Oh yeah. man! Well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, go ahead, Jason. No, I was just gonna say. Nick, so talk to me about so getting ready for ADCCs. I, I am curious. Like you come off, um, was it who's number one? Right? Who's number yeah. one? So tell me a little bit about like. Where do you think from a point scoring perspective or a um, event, like I think the sport of jujitsu is going through some like um, growth and and changes. And I think they're trying to find out what is the best for the athletes, what's the best for the spectators, and how do you blend those two? So you have a really great match that's exciting, you know? Um, Where do you think the sport's going to go in terms of like points versus time limit versus submission only? I'm curious because you know, as an athlete, you must look at it one way. I imagine as a spectator, you look at it differently, but maybe they both line somewhere. It's like a, it's kind of a blurred line because you have, you have scenarios where, all right, you can, you can put up, you can put up a, a points, right? Like I guess wrestling, you know, like college wrestling, NCAA is a good, a good example, like where you can win by points or you can win by tech fall or pin. Um, and then jujitsu, we have either, tournaments where it's sub only or tournaments where you can win by sub and or points. 
Um, I feel like it's hard to say what's more entertaining because it really comes down to the athletes to where if the guy's game plan, your opponent's game plan is to just like get it advantage, like maybe get a takedown or get on top and then stay away. It makes for a boring match. If you have two guys that are going for the submission constantly, then you usually have an exciting match where um, somebody wins via submission. Um, I prefer personally like a 15 minute sub only match, but I feel like uh, I feel like the shorter the match, the more entertaining it's going to be because the faster pace it's going to be. If you have 15 minutes to, to scrap, you typically have to pace yourself so you have you know gas in the tank at the at the last five minutes. Um, if you only have a six minute minute match or eight minute match, um, you can pretty much go balls to the wall for for eight minutes, and you know you're not worried about getting you know overly exhausted. Um, I think that would make for more entertaining as like a viewer friendly match, but ultimately it comes down to the to the opponent, to the athletes. Like you got a, you guys know who the Rotolos are, Rotolo brothers, right? Yes, sir. So those guys are no matter what platform um, they're competing on, they're going to be entertaining. They're fast paced. They're submission hunters. So I think it comes down to the overall mentality of the sport as a whole. Are guys trying to win my points via IBJJF platform? Or, or guys trying to win by submission via flow grappling or, you know, typically ADCC guys who went for subs as well. I enjoy, I, I, first of all, flow grappling, I purchased the $149 package for the year for one reason and one reason only. And you're looking at him, Nikki Rodriguez. Oh. And I, and I bet you a lot of the listeners also uh, did the exact same. Um, I, I, I think that that I'm a huge UFC fan. And the fact that you guys do 15 minute, a 15 minute fight, but it's still three rounds with no break. And just an intercom comes over and just says, who's winning like after every round and you're still going, that's some fucking like, that's gangster. It's like, it's pretty crazy as the viewer to hear that and be like, Oh shit, Nikki lost the first round. Oh shit. And, and, and when in the elder Cruz fight, when they said you were winning the second round, does that mean you're winning the whole thing? Or does that just mean you won the second round and now he's won the first round and we're going to the third? What, what, what's oh, going it, on? it just, it just means that the, the judges are favoring a certain person. Mm. Um, so it's cumulative. Like, so when they said in the second round at, at the 10 minute mark, when they said Nikki Rodriguez, it was cumulative. You are now in the lead. No. Oh, no. one it, round it, each. It was like a, it's more of a one, one. So if, okay, they, if okay. they favor him, the first one, they favor me the second one. And it's like a, a one, one, but like, even there's no definitive, like, uh, like if there's no point scored, it's, it's hard to define like who, who are they favoring and why. Right. Um, it's like, uh, if you if you win or lose a close match in the Jets world, it's it's uh, I mean like it kind of is what it is. But the real win is the submission. You know, you get you sub a guy, you show dominance, you put him down, you get on top of him, you you know pass his guard and stuff like that. That's a that's a win. Uh, a win's not like uh, you know we just push each other around and nothing happens. That's not really entertaining for anybody. What do you think um, about that match that you had with Elder? Is, are, um, are you shitting on it? Are you shitting on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really. Uh, I think I, I think I was a little unfocused, maybe going into that. I uh, I made a lot of mistakes in, in in the sense of my wrestling. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't set my shots up. I was just kind of taking shots. Um, I was focused too much on the hand fighting and getting the guy tired, which that worked. Um, but it also like so when we're hand fighting, I'm just pulling his head. I'm dragging him around the mat. Right, he's on his toes, and I'm pulling him, pulling him. And it looks like to the judges that he's pushing me backwards when I'm just pulling his head along the ground and, uh, you know, consistently draw the match. Um, 
there's some learning that has to go on in, in the in the sport as far as like the people that are wrestling like they have to understand you know what wrestling is what what hand fighting is who's how how to determine who's winning the hand fight and uh i don't honestly a guy like elder is uh should be an easy win for me so the fact that it was uh even close is is definitely not good so you know i got some stuff to work on and uh yeah i'm just uh you know in preparation constantly do you walk off and kick something after that? Are you like pissed, uh, or are you? Or how, how does Nikki run? No, no, I, I just analyze. I was like, all right, well, why, why didn't my strategy work? Also, like in a sport, I mean, in in just you gotta have more than one strategy. Like I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go out there, wrestle this guy, get on top of him, and and uh, you know, hunt for the submission from there. But it's like, all right, what if? What if you can't take it down? Like, what do you do that? Like, I, I didn't really, like, plan for a backup plan like I usually do. And, um, yeah, you just got to be prepared in, in more than one uh, aspect. Now, Nikki, question for you. So prior to this, uh, you were uh, working with Danaher for Danaher for, for quite a while, right? Like a couple of years, right? Yeah. So before matches and stuff, I'm sure he would be very, very um, – focused on what's the approach i mean i've watched him live in action as obviously you have and he's very in the moment on the match and then he'll refresh what he's going on in his head after the match he'll be able to regurgitate it it's 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 quite amazing without someone like that in your corner now who who is doing the coaching for you in terms of like your preparation for the match and the actual match execution so honestly um even when I was training with John, the preparation was definitely all up to me. John would pretty much run me through a warm up like the day before or the morning of. And, uh, you know, maybe he'd ask me, like, you know, what my goal was, but there was no like specific, you should do this, you should do that. Uh, it was more like a, a mental coach. Like, I feel like he would boost, he would do a good job of boosting my confidence before I went out there, which would have a huge part in my, uh, in my game. I feel like, like regardless of my, uh, strategy, if I just have like overwhelming confidence, that kind of goes a long way, um, in how I attack matches. Um, I think in my preparation for this, I gotta, I gotta weigh a lot in training with just taking shots and taking people down as opposed to setting them up properly. Like I usually do. And then going in and taking, you know, going for the takedown. Um, John, John has done a lot for me, like in, in the, in the grappling world, taught me a ton and I've learned, learned a bunch from him. Um, but honestly, ultimately it's always kind of been up to me. It's like, all right, I have to train this today. I have to like in practice, I would be the one to say, all right, I'm going to focus on lay locks today. All right. I'm going to focus on wrestling today. Um, so it was definitely always been a sense of independence. Um, I'd say more than anything, John definitely, uh, coached us in the mental aspect. Like we would be, I feel like because he was the one guy that in the room that was just like was always kind of watching us, we would work harder in practice to kind of try to please him, to say have him say like, oh, good job, Nicky Rod. Like shit like that would kind of help the room as a whole kind of push a little bit harder and give us that mental edge. And I think uh, I think that's something that we have to figure out as a team, a B team, how to work into our game plan. Hmm. Yeah. And then, and then uh, Savon, I just have one more thing for you. Yeah, no, go take it, take it. I'm good. So when you're, when you're rolling no gi, right, there's, there's some different schools of thought. One school of thought would be, be as slippery as humanly possible, right? No shirt, short shorts, get sweaty, make yourself really difficult to, to grab 
and connect with. Mm-hmm. Then you have guys who want to get into things like ankle locks, leg, whatever they may be. And they actually want to have some level of, um, something sticky or, or something to be on. Right. Now I noticed in this match, right. You're wearing a rash guard. A lot of times you're not wearing a rash guard. So I'm, I'm curious from how much does that play a role in terms of like wearing a rash guard, no rash guard, be able to get into ankle locks and things like that, or, or be able to hold position better because you're wearing one versus not. I mean, do you take that in consideration before a match and then decide what you want to do with that competitor? Yeah. So, um, previously I was competing a lot shirtless just, just because I didn't have much technique and I was like, you know, I could really only rely on my, uh, takedown ability, but because I'm, I'm more technically sound, I understand the game much more. Uh, I prefer to have a rash guard on because I feel I feel as if the rash guard gives me a little bit extra grip. And if you're going for the submission, if you're going to sub the guy, typically a little bit more grip and traction is uh, is going to be beneficial. So yeah, I, I'd say now when I compete, I definitely I'll put a rash guard on. But uh, I don't know. It's something about being shirtless, like when I compete, that I also feel like uh, more elusive and just harder to, to control. And I think it even like it puts like a puts me in a different mental state when I'm like when I'm shirtless and I just have like my shorts on. I'm like. I'm free. I'm like I'm. I feel like I'm ready for battle. You know, I don't. I don't know. There's a big mental aspect to to competing that you have to you have to figure out how to peak. I mean, I'm sure you understand this with CrossFit, but like how to peak in the right moment so you can get the most out of your competition. You you know the guy in the UFC, the 171 pound guy. He fights both classes. He's from Russia. Um, Hazmat Chimenev. He. Yeah, do you know who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Who you talking he, about? He picked up the the dude last dude he was fighting, carried him over to the edge where Dana was and threw him on the ground and was like, Look, Dana, like um is is that are we seeing just insane mental I mean, obviously he's a good fighter, but you know, he's been in four fights and he's only been punched like three times and he's just grabbing dudes and just doing horrible <laughs> shit to him. Um, is that is that is that the mental state you're talking about? I mean, he goes in the ring like he's fucking Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. You have to it's like a you know, Tyson said it best. He was like, When I'm when I'm practicing, I'm a man, but when I'm competing, I'm God. So you have to put yourself on a on a pedestal, and I think ha- I think Hazmat has the you know opportunity to to win a belt. I think I think just his fights have been uh, tremendous mismatches so far. So I'm excited. Okay, see, I'm excited to see a guy like that fight somebody of his caliber. Hazmat, uh, Nikki is in Austin, Texas. Um, I think that would video would go viral. You should go over there. The name of his company is B Team. I just go ahead and knock on the door. They're super duper welcoming. Um, but you have to be adva- advanced. They, they don't have any beginner classes, Hazmat, but you should go over there and uh, please film that, Nikki. I would love to see. Yeah, that'll be on YouTube for sure. Knock, knock, yeah. knock. Nikki, this is Hazmat. You say I'm, I'm, I'm only fighting easy guys. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dude, hey, how's it been? Uh, you been uh, rolling a little bit and working out with uh, Tim Kennedy? How's that been? Uh, Tim... Be honest. He's an old dude who has nothing for you. Be honest, Nikki. Uh, I'm gonna address his uh, our CrossFit style workouts first, right? Because we do we do some Imam stuff and some uh, you know some very difficult high intensity workouts. Uh, it's it surprised me how good of a and how good of a shape he's in. Oh yeah. Like uh, you know, he's definitely definitely a superior athlete. Like I, I can see his work ethic. I can see. Uh, yeah, the first time we worked out together, we did uh, what's called an acid bath. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So it was extremely hard. And it was like, it was eye opening. Like, all right, there's a group of like five or six guys in this room that work equally as hard as I do and Tim and Tim does. So, yeah, Tim's a, a, a very 
very skilled uh, mixed martial art artist, and he enjoys the hard work. Like before I go to train with them, he's like, "Oh, today's gonna be fun," and usually fun means it's gonna be insanely hard. So I right. have to mentally prep to go over there, you know. But uh, yeah, Tim's jits is, is really uh, it, it's good. It's tough, but his goal is more more than subbing is to kill you. So like he wants to get on top. Oh. Uh, gouge your eyes out and shit like that so yeah he's, i mean he's been doing it forever so yeah he's pretty good um and he's in insanely good shape like he can he can go pretty hard for a, a very long time like whether we're talking crossfit in the gym or or grappling and it's impressive to see because he's not you know he's not in his 20s anymore man the guy still gets it every day yeah uh, when you roll with him do you ever feel his glock in his shorts like you're like hey dude you can't <laughs> he keeps it on him for sure Dude, that guy, uh, when you think about someone that you wouldn't, uh, like a year or two ago, his house got broken into, and I remember him putting up a video, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, that dude broke into the wrong house. This is a UFC fighter, you know, uh, army, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's all overseas all the time, special forces. I'm like, look at him, like worst guy to, you know, teaches uh, combatives. Uh, but anyways, I, I thought that was cool that you're training with him. That's awesome, man. Yeah, he's a... Uh... He's he's an interesting guy. He's very uh, positive, but he's got as nice as he is. He's got a bit of a. Uh, he's got like shark eyes. You ever stare into a shark and they're just fucking soulless? <laughs> Tim Tim Kennedy's a bit soulless when he wants to be. Like like oh. rattlesnake eyes. Like um Oliver Stone has those. The director. Like yes. every time I see him in an interview, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Is that a snake <laughs> or a man? Totally nice guy and great heart and does a lot for his people and community. But man, he fucking has that switch. You can tell. Do you, do you want to go at it with Elder again? Like, and did you talk to him after the match? Uh, yeah, I asked for I asked for a rematch uh, right after, just because it wasn't my my best performance. And a guy like that, again, I should be subbing that guy, uh, you know, for the first five ten minutes. So, yeah, it, it'll be good to go again and attack it uh, with a different strategy. Um, because I, I am still learning, you know, the jujitsu world. I'm, I've been here three years. Uh, I'm evolving. I'm you know I'm constantly. Constantly trying to you know, learn new techniques and learn what I can do in competition, you know, in preparation for ADCC. So, yeah, I can plan on competing a bunch before uh, ADCC in September. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. When you say sub him, you mean take his back and choke him until he feels like he's going to die and he taps out and says – That's exactly what I mean. Okay. Because I mean, my mom watches the show and she might not know what subbing means and I just want her to – have a distinct understanding. Gotcha. Um, and um, is it friendly with him afterwards? And and should you be asking for a rematch right after the show? Like, are you thinking clearly? Is is that something like you should have like some sort of rule? Like, you don't ask for it like for three days or some shit. Uh, well, I did. I did it like the morning after, so it was like a you know, twelve hour break or so. Okay. But um, so it's but, like a yeah. date. You slept on it. You slept with her, and then you're like, yeah, let's go out again. There you go. Good round right. two. That yeah, that makes sense. And is he game? Is he game? Um, I don't know. No, they haven't responded. No, I don't think he's, yeah, I don't think he wants that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, whoever it is, I just need to compete more. I've been out for a little bit, you know. Who's next? Who's next? I don't know who's next. I gave, I gave, uh, my guys from full grappling a bunch of names. It's hard to get, it's hard to get heavyweight matches, guys my size. Usually, you know, uh, guys want to come up, brown belts or younger black belts kind of, uh, I'll take matches with me. The high up guys really don't like it. Flow grappling. I'm t- the, the people have to be going there to what they must've seen a, a, a spike instead of the 12 people who normally watch, they must've had like 24 this time. No, and, I think they did yeah. pretty well actually. 
And yeah. uh, like, like what, like what the fuck is going on? How, how they they got to get you a match. We got to start building it. Have you done any podcast after? Um, the, is this your first podcast you've done after or your interview you've done? Because I couldn't find any interviews of you after the Elder Cruz. Um, after that match, yeah. I mean, I'll do interviews uh, after I win, but I try to fight depression after a loss, so I don't fucking don't talk to anybody for a while. Yeah, I wanted to get you on here just spewing venom like right away, like totally take advantage of you in your weak emotional state. I think it's a good idea that you're getting some competition in Nikki. Like, you know, getting ready for ADCCs, that's ultimately your kind of, that's, that's your version of the Olympics. You know, it happens every two years. It's a badass event. Um, but getting in some more competition before that is the key. Cause ultimately you just want to build your confidence to get more competition exposure before that big day, you know? Cause like, well, you took silver two years ago, right? Yeah. Well, almost three years now. Almost three years. Yeah. So that's yeah, a big, it's, yeah, man, I'm I'm fired up to watch all the competition and then also ADCCs. I got to go out there in Vegas and uh, and go watch you guys throw down. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think you're right about the competing part because before ADCC um, of 2019, I had like I had like 30 or 40 matches in like six months prior to mm-hmm. to ADCC. Mm-hmm. So like when I went on there, I already had a competition you know, two weeks ago and then. And then a week before that, so I was like, I was acclimated, you know, I was completely uh, in the zone. And yeah, there's a, just a kind of mental aspect or mentality that I have to hit and I have to peak at the right time to kind of get the most out of my uh, my grappling. Just some adjustments, you know. The big dude who's in the documentary with you, I think he's from Jersey. He's one of your early coaches. Was he at the match with Elder Cruz? What's his name? Is it Gordon? No, it's it's a it's a um. It's 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 pre Gordon. It's a uh, oh, Regabudo you're talking about. Yes, yes. Was he there with you? Uh, no, no, he wasn't. He wasn't with me. He he lives in uh, lives back in Jersey, but I'll see him uh, occasionally. He does some like some uh, you know commentary here and there and on different events. So I see him around. Yeah, are are you still close with him? Yeah, yeah, we talk for sure. Yeah, maybe you should bring him because in that documentary, you're basically. It, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm being a little melodramatic, but you're basically walking around that fucking event, that ADCC event, like a lion, and he just has you on a leash. You know what I mean? He's the only guy you're fucking talking to. You basically don't want to deal with, like, you deal with the cameras too much. Um, and then basically he walks you over to the mat, untethers you, and then you just will pass, and then you come back, and he takes you back, <laughs> puts you in your cage. I mean, th- yeah. maybe you need that dude around. I feel like when I compete, I almost don't see, like, other people or the audience. I kind of just see the mat. And the uh, task ahead, you know, pretty pretty hyper focused on that day. Um, do you have any issues coming back and um in facing your team when you come back? Like 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 you let the family down at all? Oh yeah, I mean the second you walk through the door, if you lose, it's like uh, they're laughing at you and talking about you. Like, <laughs> oh, it is they, like they that. Make, wow, they make it they make it uh so you don't want to lose again. You know, mm. so for sure, for sure, it's a bit painful going back in that room, painful and shameful. Uh, but I think that's necessary. I think, uh, you know, if your friends kind of uh, are mean to you, it makes it easier if other people are mean to you. <laughs> so so it, it's not that you come in there and you're Nikki Rod and they all avoid eye contact with you. It's you go in there and you open your locker and there's a back box of tampons in there and it says these are for you, Nikki. It's more yeah, like that. That's exactly how it is at B-Team. Holy shit. That's good. Yeah, no mercy. That's great stuff. Um, Nikki, Jason, do you have a, a final question before we let uh, Mr. Nikki go and 
No, man, I'm, I'm fired up to watch you throw down. Uh, I got to head back out to Austin and go see what's up at B team. But um, no, nah, man, it's been great to see what you have going on online. And I'm glad our uh, YouTube video is doing what it's doing. And it's cool that you and uh, Hani were able to connect about, uh, you know, for your um, for your supplements and uh, and what you have going on there. That was cool for me to see that there were some connections between the bodybuilding world and what you have going on in jiu-jitsu. So no, nah, man, just fired up, dude. And I, I think my question was really about... Uh, I think, I think for me, you know, looking at jujitsu, it's so important to get that competition exposure because there's really nothing that mimics, you know, about to go in there and, and battle than actually doing it. You know, like practice is cool, but you know, when you're actually competing, it's a little bit of a different level. So I, I love the fact that you want to get in some more matches before ADCCs and I will be watching. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. And if you need to build your confidence, um, just come over to California and beat up on Jason. We'll yeah. If you need to build your confidence, and, uh, come over here to Bay area. You'll be able to. <laughs> smash smash on somebody jason nikki you guys are awesome thanks dude thank you guys and i'll be i'll keep you slipping into your jams buddy thank you see you and just like that i'm like a fucking real show there's just wow oh just like that look at that that was fucking impressive joe rogan and howard stern had their dna removed shaken into a test tube mom turn this part off uh-oh. Slapped into my mom. My mom grew me. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys, though. I don't Here have I my shirt off. Hey, hey. Pop the top, baby. Pop the nowhere top. Near, nowhere, near <laughs> cool. nowhere near as cool as that dude. No way. That's not happening. <laughs> it's 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 uh, um, an egoless, uh, um, uh, enlightened Buddha man like myself. It's really weird when my ego gets activated. But someone, someone uh, texted me yesterday and said, holy shit or maybe it's two days ago, you and Kotler are going to talk for four hours. Oh, and I'm man, like, I would, I would fucking love that. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Kotler? He's just some dude out in Vegas. And then Who I watched he? like, uh, I, uh, it's an affiliate owner. I, 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 I tried was it. Was it Craigie? Was it? Was it Craigie? Howard? <laughs> no, no, not Craig Howard. Oh, no, okay. no, not, not uh, affiliate owner outside of California. And, okay. and then I started doing research on you and I'm like, Oh shit. That's why they said that, dude. You you are like a dinosaur. You've been yeah. around. You were Pomanian's coach. Yeah, dude. I was in your fucking gym. I know that big fucking the meathead gym, the crazy oh, yeah. one, like, the, like the one, like it was like a dream, fucking yeah, in yeah. New York. I, yeah. And she had the whole gym to herself. I went in there yeah. and filmed her in there. There was no one in there. I was still working for. Uh, that was before I opened up my own place, man. And we were uh, we were working out of that Globo gym. Still working for people who thought the world was flat. You know, we had to teach a class. <laughs> we had to teach a class at, at midnight. Was the only time they would let us do CrossFit. It was called Midnight Madness on Thursday nights. That was the only time. That's where we found Jessica. Hey, that gym was so hardcore. Now they have gyms where you have to um get a shot from Pfizer to go in. This yes. gym, you had to get a shot from someone. <laughs> and I had to take it in the butt. And let yeah. me tell you, like the dumbbell started at 100 pounds in that fucking place. That yeah. place was gnarly. Yeah. What was the rent at that place? Like 300000 a month? Oh, I don't fucking know. So it was owned by uh, – that gym was owned by personal injury lawyers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so let me tell you a quick story about that so Please. it was owned by personal injury lawyers i started working uh, so so at, right after jessica i started working with uh with another uh female athlete there um who was a, a beast at the time and uh i wasn't so they got on my case because she wasn't officially a client right so it wasn't going through the gym um 
we were we were working together on CrossFit. They didn't really understand CrossFit. But anyway, I got pulled in by one of the personal injury lawyers. And he said to me, you know, I said, listen, man, I'm not taking money out of your pocket. I'm not even taking money from her. We're just working together, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he said, oh, I know you're not taking money out of my pocket because if you were, I'd cut your fucking throat. <laughs> that's the lawyer? <laughs> that's who I was working. Yeah, that's who owned the gym. Hey, that was time. that dude, was oh, that dude juiced up? Were they juiced up lawyers? They were just. They were just very, you know, they were shady as fuck. Did they have like veins in their foreheads and shit? One, uh, two, I would say two out of the three did for sure. And they were sleeping with everybody. And it was, uh, it was interesting. It was if interesting. you're a lawyer and you're not taking steroids, you're not doing it right. <laughs> and, and, I, and I mean that like you think I'm half, you think I'm joking, but kind of I'm not because that shit gives people such confidence and they start oh. oozing like, uh, I, I guess it's like some sort of pheromone or something. <laughs> and uh, it, it, they just take, I mean, if you're in the room with someone who who's taken that shit right and is cool, man, it can make some incredible personalities. Very yeah. confident. It was, it was interesting. What's up, Brian? Hey, Justin. How you doing, brother? <clears throat> Good. I don't know what that conversation is, but there's a couple lawyers that train at the gym and they always have great stories. <laughs> Yeah, I was I, I was working for uh, I was working for an interesting few lawyers when I first started coaching a long time ago, twelve years ago. They owned a owned a gym, personal injury lawyers. They were pretty fucked up. So yeah, that's pretty hilarious. <clears throat> for those of you just tuning in, uh, this is Justin Kotler on here. Justin is the founder and owner. I'm guessing he would probably say with his wife or definitely with my and wife his and his daughter also. <laughs> yeah. um, of, of underdogs, um, athletics is is the athletics also have an S? It's two S's, one on each. Yeah, two S's. Yeah, underdogs it's athletics. Twister, and um, he has a, a, a quite quite the background. He he does the stuff with uh that group, International Fitness League or something that's trying to basically get CrossFit to the Olympics or, mm -hmm. or high intensity training. Um, he was a coach at the Grid League. But what's crazier is that there. I mean, he has literally been. It feels like been around forever. As I started, I was listening to your podcast with um, the dude from England. Oh uh, yeah, from Ireland, Peter for co coffee pods and wads. Yeah, I listened yeah. to that one, and then I listened to the one with Tommy and Shawnee, mm -hmm. and I listened to another one. One other. It, by the way, I got really fit while listening to you because I, I put the headphones on. I get on the assault bike. Oh, nice. Yes. yes. Oof, that's nasty. Uh, uh, it, was, it was with a lady. It was a, with a lady from South Africa. Oh yeah, I did that one. I felt like not too long after the games. After the she she wanted to talk all about the the COVID shit show. Yeah. So yeah. South so Africa. so. I'm trying to think who that is short hair yeah yeah she was cool i can't, honestly can't remember uh the name is of she and she involved with their semifinal at all i don't think so okay yeah yeah you guys had my boy on yesterday jedediah yeah does you do you train him no just oh. i just dig it i just dig him he's awesome yeah and, he was pretty um, easy he was cool yeah cool he's dude. a good dude he's coming down in the open uh he's coming down the last week of the open to throw down with us he did it last year too it's just a really good dude and you have Delugos at your gym? Oh yeah, I've been coaching Maddie for several years now. I love please, that dude. Please tell him I said hi. Yeah. I will. I will. He doesn't know who I am, but I'd like to lure no, his ass on the show. No, he knows who you are. He knows okay. who you are. Yeah, we need to yeah. get him on. I spoke with him at Wadapalooza, and he's a good. He was a good guy. Oh, you guys will love him, man. He's just. He's just awesome. He's such a good kid. He, he's you, he's getting some just do right now, which is nice to see. Um, do you have a drug policy with your athletes? Huh. 
Uh, don't take them. <laughs> we, we, we had we had we had been we had been bergeron on. it seems a little close-minded of you by the way Justin. Uh, oh sorry um uh we we had um uh what if i what if i'm not going to compete can i take them then yeah i mean because we had been bergeron on and, and he was yeah. like yeah the, none of the athletes do drugs and i was like well and he was talking about all these policies that he had in place mm. and then he was like um no, uh, I don't really have any policies. <laughs> yeah, and he said he didn't have a policy, and he was kind of shocked that he didn't have a policy. But the reason why I ask is, is like someone like Joe Rogan, or there's all these people who take this testosterone replacement therapy, which in, I don't know much about it, but I just think that that's just – it's all just steroids to me uh, with no judgment, just performance-enhancing drugs. Or mm -hmm. like, like someone will be like, your testosterone's low, and I'll be like, like how do you know? Right. Like you haven't seen what what happens in the morning when I wake up. You don't know what I've been going with. Okay, so 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 it's it's an it's kind of an unspoken um and the reason why I ask is because I watched the podcast with you and Sean and and Tom Shawnee and Tommy and the conversations around Ricky I, I really like the way Chase interviewed him. It's fine. It's not my style. I'm glad I didn't have to do it. I don't ever want to talk to anyone like that. Right. But there's a talking down piece that kind of fucking irritates me. Mm. Like people yeah. are talking down to him like he owes us something. No, I agree like, with that. Like how about fuck you? I'll take what I want. I mean I understand yeah. it's different with you. You're his coach and you have a reputation. But there's this piece like everyone's his daddy. It's like, hey, like you ain't his daddy. No. Not, not you, but I mean the world. Do you know what I mean? It's tough, man. It's you know hard I mean? for me to watch because he's such a good fucking dude. Like, he's awesome. He's such a good dude. You know, like – and I, I appreciated the fact that like people were able to see that a bit when you when you had him on because he he kind of yeah let people go. loved him yeah people loved him because that's him I mean he's just he's funny I mean he, listen he's introverted and he's not he's not the most comfortable on camera but if you like warm him up and get him going he's he's hilarious man he's funny you know he's just a good dude you know and and I love I, I love him because he's just. He's he will run through a fucking wall for you. Like it's unbelievable. You know, there's never an excuse. There's just he just is who he is. You know, he's got that rugby mentality. He's tough as nails. Um, but he's just he's a good dude, man. He's fun. He's funny. I really I, you know, and I've always gotten along with his brother. I was brother well from Grid. You know, uh, his brother oh, played for San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, good dude. And and I, I always got along well with Benny. Um, you know, while I was coaching Con, and Benny would hang out with us sometimes and stuff. So it was it was cool, you know. And and um, but it's been great. I've really enjoyed Ricky, and I I agree with you, man. I I just uh, I feel like now he he paid he paid his dues. He did his time, and and more you know, than enough. Let let the more fucking guy enough. let him let him do his thing now. You know. How well, how long was Justin on before I got on here, Seven? Eight seconds. Oh. Okay. Um. It was uh, <clears throat> what was the what was the like back and forth in terms of deciding whether he was going to stay in the U.S. for a while or go, or go back to Australia? Dude, he had a horrible time when he was here. Both of us caught COVID on the on the flight back from Dubai. <laughs> Both of us were sick as shit. He lost ten pounds in a week. Then he, Damn. you know, they, I mean, he was he was staying in uh in an extended stay here in Vegas uh, with uh, drug dealers and prostitutes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Bad fucking time when he was here, man. It was not a good representation of of Vegas at all. 
Um, but nah, come on. It sounds perfect. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I promise. (laughs) Um, you know, he, but I will say this, like he wasn't able to get into any type of routine and he is a very routine oriented dude in the sense that like he has his family, has his dogs, he has his, you know, the beach, he, he goes mountain biking and and, and, he's a family man too. He's got a mommy and daddy. Yeah. And, and you could, I could just tell, you know, and then when he went down to, to to Waterpalooza and he got sick again. Um, he was ready to get the fuck out of the states. Like he was ready to roll. And I I was I was like cool, you know, because he looked so good at Dubai. And honestly, watching him prepare for Waterpalooza in the back of my head, I was like, this guy is not the same guy that I just watched a couple weeks ago. I was telling you, Brian. I was like, to me, he got to Waterpalooza and uh, and caught. Uh, caught a you know whatever it was a stomach bug of some kind and it really like it helped me because i had been hinting like dude mm, Mm. you're not yourself right now this doesn't make sense you know what i mean like you haven't competed in four years the trolls are out there you're gonna get fucking annihilated if you go out there and finish 18th like it's just you just came off of dubai let's go back and and let's face it colton mertens would have smoked his ass (laughs) well that week that week uh i might have smoked his ass that week but no no but you know from the from the outside perspective prior to that happening at wadapalooza you know everything about him moving to the u.s getting into a new environment having a you know very good coach that's has a good head on his shoulders and can help steer him in the right direction seemed like it was going to be a super positive thing for him and made a lot of sense, but talking to him about it, hearing you talk about it. And then even just, you know, the little snippets we get here and there on Instagram, since he's been back there, it seems pretty obvious to me he's in the right place right now. I I think he is. And, and I, you know, I, I would generally say that the, that being here and being in the environment is a great thing for, for most athletes, you know, but, there are going to be some where they just, they just have this thing at home, man. And he, he does, he's got his support system. He's, you know, there with his girlfriend and Benny and, and that gym, I mean, man, they fucking love him and, and they give him so, so much good vibes, you know? And to me, it was a no brainer. He was here. I could tell he was out of his element. And now that he's back there, he's thriving again. I mean, I'd say he's now back to where he was prior to Wadapalooza. It took a little while after COVID and losing weight and stuff. But I, I expect that, uh, you know, that over the next several months, you're going to just see him get better and better and better. And I'm, I can't wait for, I can't wait for Torian. It's going to be exciting. Well, yeah. So. And I mean, and that's ultimately where he's got to, he's got to be ready because yeah. even with, um, you know, Con Porter going on a team this year and, I think there may be one or other two guys from the top 10 that won't compete. It's still a really tough region to qualify in. Absolutely. No question about it. And I also feel like generally you see the results from quarterfinals. Now it's tough to tell, right? I mean, this year we'll have, we'll, we'll be able to compare a little bit better with the, with the events, like sure. two events in each one, but, but historically, right? Like in, in regionals, Australia, the numbers were always phenomenal. The guys were great. They tend to do perform a little bit better at those, at those events than they do at the games historically. But I mean, they're until this last good. year. Well, yeah. Baden was great. I mean, crowds Royce. Is be tough. Royce is really good. Yeah. It's good, man. But I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to sound cocky or anything i'm confident as fuck about ricky i, me too. I think ricky's me gonna too. have a great season man <laughs> me i too. really do yeah 
Brian, I love seeing you, Brian. Oh, oh, thank you. It's been a while. It's re- I really love seeing you. I know I had I to, kind of I, upstaging Justin. I was so excited, like I was like, but now like I just keep staring at you. Sorry. I know. <laughs> that, no, dude, I don't blame you. That beard just keeps getting better and better, Brian. We missed the beard in that photo behind it's you. It's getting fucking good. Yeah. I know, Justin, I know everyone loves the picture. <laughs> hold, hold that thought, Brian. I just got one thing to say about Justin and Con Porter. You could, you could oh, just old. kill all the men on the planet and just seed the re- the women on the planet with the two of them it would be fucking imagine that <laughs> just grab them have just have a gi- god grab them and kind of squeeze their balls and just seed the whole planet Savannah, with the remaining had, women what have you had con on no i got to i'm kind of intimidated by him because he's so handsome i'm not i'm serious it, he's a lot to look at i'm gonna we'll tell just you right now on. you will it'll be about 10 minutes and you will fall you will fall in love yeah, it it's already it's already like that. it's gonna be weird. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's oh, just. I think he's saying that's the problem. He's already yeah, in love with it. That's the problem. I should be like tongue hanging out of my mouth. He's dope. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's he a, is, he's a he's a specimen. He's when like our Aussie son. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Sorry, Brian. You were you gonna Brian? I have a question for you, real quick. I I heard when um you guys when when you and Justin just now were talking about semifinals with two workouts. Any like that are set? Um, you had a grin on your face, like you already have an opinion about that. Is that is that a different show, or is there something you want to share with us? <laughs> no, uh, I and I'm not. In, I just you like this. Look, thing? I love. No, I like. No, I, I like being really supportive of of CrossFit when I can. But I also think that it's healthy for someone to be not necessarily critical, but questioning of some of the decisions they make as well. And there's I'm been in the same boat, Brian. A lot of. A lot, <laughs> There's been a lot of decisions this last month that I have some questions about and I have, you know, I, and I don't know why they're, I don't know the answers because I haven't had a chance to talk to anyone or hear from anyone about them. Their answers are just very vanilla. They're like, oh, these are the plans. This is what we're doing. But there's no, there's nothing behind it of substance. I'm sure that there are conversations of substance going on at the home office or whatever they're calling it. But <clears throat> the decisions don't always make sense to me. So I'm trying to understand them better. Okay. And and that's kind of like, part of me wants to be like, what the fuck do you care? It's their business, but that's kind of our job. That's what we do in the ecosystem. We're like flies on shit. We're like, all right, you guys do something, we'll respond. No, I mean, I, I started doing this because I saw there, there was an opportunity basically to get uh, more recognition for, for athletes in the sport that were working really hard. And I felt it was really top heavy and then um, not, you know, and I think that I've had some success in that regard of creating more recognition from larger pool of athletes, or at least I've been a part of that. And I want to keep doing it. But, um, you know, I, ba- the biggest thing for me is I don't like the amount of time that is going to pass between when the first people and the last people qualify for the games. Mm. And we talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what he's referencing, J- Justin? Yeah, for sure. And, and I, the- last year, last year we were last um, West Coast and we had no time to prepare for the games. I mean, essentially you're coming off of what I thought was the most difficult um, semifinal for sure. Um, especially when they added the rock run in 117 degree weather. Um, and then, uh, and, and we, you know, we had to take a good solid week to recover. Uh, and then we had three weeks straight ahead till the game. So it was, well, and, it was and, a challenge. And you didn't have to do the last chance qualifier. There were people that came out of that competition and had to do the last chance qualifier. Yeah, and, you know, and none of them uh, made it through from the West, right. they were West Coast last chance qualifiers. But if they had, think about even that yeah. <laughs> turnaround. No. And it's going to be that way for someone again this year. I know. And that's why I said, you know, like the two workouts is cool and we can we can do that comparison. But I would 
I would rather just see them all the same. And if you're not, and then, you know, you can take everyone who didn't make it. You can pick your last chance qualifiers from that. And you at least give everyone at the bare minimum five weeks to five prepare. Weeks. Yeah, it would be about five weeks, which is still not great. But, yeah. uh, but, no. but Brian, aren't you like, hey, two of the workouts are going to be the same at all of them. We're halfway there. Doesn't does that <clears> well, help when, at all or no? No, no. When that announcement came out that it was in an email, uh, the, the one of the Hopper emails that CrossFit's been sending out, I reposted it and I said, all, I don't see anything negative here. So I thought everything in that email was a positive step in the right direction. Maybe it wasn't the full step, but at least it was what I thought and think is a move in the right direction. Oh, good. Um, when did you, when you, in going, I'm going to go all the way back. To, I think it was 2010. So those of you who don't know, Jessica Pomanian was a, uh, she was a games athlete. She did, she, what was the best she ever did? Fourth. Fourth. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy that you can get fourth and no one can know who you are. Um, she yeah. takes she. Seven, um, do you remember who got third for the men in 2010? I think Graham took first. Rich took second. Yeah. Matt Chan. Nope. Spieler. <laughs> oh yeah, that year I got into a huge fight with Dave because I accused Dave of loading the games for Spieler. That yeah. that I was like, hey, th- why didn't you just call it the Spieler games? Because I just didn't think that he had any business being on the podium, that it had to have been rigged. But and then right behind him were Matt Chan and Miko Salo. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Miko I, couldn't do a double under, or else he would have probably would have made the podium. <laughs> Two years in a row. Yeah, I couldn't do double unders, man. I remember it. I was there watching like, what? You can't do doubles? What's going on? Oh, uh, yeah. Has anything like that happened in the last couple of years? Has the, has anything happened like like at the last year's games? Was anyone there where like you're like, oh, shit, that person can't do that? Yeah. I mean, cleaning the first barbell of event seven was not happening oh. for, for Haley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was not – that wasn't <clears throat> necessarily as surprising. Yeah, Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And that's and, and, and that's not a programming issue, right? No. Not everyone else could do it. So Right. Because there becomes a point when it's a programming issue. If let's say it was the inverse, right? Only one person did it, then you guys would be blaming the programmer. But since it's only one person couldn't do it, you blame the athlete? Some some there's some formula <laughs> like that. <laughs> I guess. I mean you can think, you know, obviously everyone knows in two thousand fifteen there were only twelve of forty women that could do a pe- even one pegboard that year, but but the next year, they, most of them or all of them could at least do one. So sometimes you have to do that to push the thing forward. But no, that this wasn't that wasn't a programming error. None of, none of those were programming errors. Um, back in the day, I mean, you, that, that that 2010 games, right? That Amanda, you had. I mean, Annie Thor's daughter didn't get through the first round of of muscle ups and came in second. I mean, Kristen Clever fucking crushed it, but she crushed everything. But the Annie, I don't think Annie was able to do one strict hand stamp push up. Not one. I think she just sat there. For however long that was, that was that. Uh, for the men, it was the ring handstand push-ups that year, but for the women, it was strict. And you had very few women who could do strict handstand push-ups. I mean, it's crazy. The evolution's fucking nuts. But just thinking about that back then and what it's pushed people to do. But yeah, we haven't seen anything like that since the pegboard, really, where people just kind of stood around and watched. Um, how about that yeah. championship mindset you like there's people who if that would have happened to them at the games i guess would devastate them and then and then and look at annie like <sighs> like I, she stood the, the worst possible nightmare in your crossfit games thought process has happened to her not being able to do something and yet last year she took second it's 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 nuts she's a cyborg bro 
Yeah, and and really at this point, I and, and I love Tia beyond love Tia. Like kudos to you. I got one negative thing, but I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it, Annie could have won the CrossFit Games this year. If fucking Tia tested positive for COVID. If she yeah. wouldn't have paid. Well, she did test positive. She just paid someone off to say negative. <laughs> hey, what do you think about that? What do you think? Do you think that they should have just let um Carrie and Bethany compete? Like, so what if they have COVID? Hell yeah. Like, like, like what the fuck is, what's I mean, I, 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 I do. I mean, I kind of fall into the camp of. Good. I think point. so too. Like, it's like, it's, so what, who, what do you care if they compete? They're but I will tell you, but I will tell you this. Bethany was sick. They, she She's would wounded. not have been it. Yeah, she was okay. really sick. Carrie, I think probably, you know, her symptoms weren't nearly as bad. I don't think she would have been 100%. And I don't think she would have performed extremely well, be, you know, but she could have gotten through it. I mean, she's also tough as fucking nails. You know what I mean? So um, not to say Bethany isn't. Bethany was sick, sick, though. So Bethany had high fever and body chills and, you know, the whole nine. I mean, she was sick. Um, you know, but I think as we as we – you know, as we move forward here, right? I mean, I think ultimately it's going to be the, you know, it's going to be treated like the flu and you're going to see people pull like Michael Jordan type, you know, performances out of their ass, like when he was in the finals and, you know, still be able to do stuff, but it's different. CrossFit's different. It's not a two hour event. You're talking about, you know, four or five days of just beating the fuck out of yourself. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's very challenging with something like COVID. I mean, I, it, it knocked me on my ass, man. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I, three days where I had 103 fever and I felt like, you know, I wanted someone to stick a knife in my eyeball. That's how bad I had a, mi I had a migraine that was so bad, you know. So it's it. But some people, the people who are asymptomatic or, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't to me. It's like at this point. Yeah, it seems, it seems like it should be up to the athlete and the coach to make the decision whether they're able to compete or not. I mean, I always think back to what was like 2014 regionals with Rich Froning and um, there was he, he was clearly had some sort of head cold or something going on and he was just competing through it and he'd go back in the warm up area and you'd see him hacking up and, and, you know, with a running nose and everything else. And then he would get ready for the next event and go back out there. And that was his decision, not the governing body of CrossFit, right? Just to pull it out. So. I don't know. That's how, that's my opinion on it. But Matthew, they might spread it to the other athletes. <laughs> uh, Matthew, you don't. Uh, it's, sorry, to jerk myself off again. Not really that sorry. Um, <laughs> do you understand? That's how you ask questions, people. That like you're not like everyone else is like she had COVID. Of course she's out. You don't accept that. You don't accept that. That's not how you ask questions. That's not how you live your life. You go the opposite way. You say why couldn't she compete? Well, they said she had COVID. So what? What does that mean? You can't run that way because there's a brick wall. And if you do, you're going to hit it with your face. COVID, it's, it's a thought. It's an idea. It's a virus. But, but don't let it stop you from asking questions why why couldn't Bethany and Carrie compete? It's a totally valid question. Don't, you have all these answers and reasons why they can't that are prepared. None of those are real because it might spread. Everyone knows the Games was a super spreader event. Everyone. Everyone knows Wadapalooza was a super spreader event. All, we all know it. So what? So what? I'm not saying that um, tongue-in-cheek people. Every The vast majority of people I, that I know who went to the games came home with COVID. The vast majority of people I know who went to Wadapalooza came home with COVID. That, that, that's where human beings, that's what happens. That's the, this is what we do. And, and, and those of you who are locked inside have an, a, an extremely higher rate of not only getting it but dying. But, but I'll get off my – Justin, what are uh, – are, are, you, you, are you still working with Carrie? Uh, Carrie is – Carrie's taking the year off. 
Um, so Carrie yeah. pops in when she wants to, uh, she, she'll, she'll cherry pick right now. Um, she'll cherry pick her workouts, but Carrie, Carrie's helping me out a little bit. We had a great, um, discussion like two weeks ago. She's gonna, she's basically has made herself available for any of the athletes, um, here at, here at the underdogs camp that want to <laughs> meet, meet with her, talk about mindset, talk about preparation, talk about habits. She's going to write some articles for underdogs athletics, uh, about competition and competition prep and, you know, some various other things. I mean, she's busy as shit with power apps, no doubt about it, but, um, Carrie's like family now, you know I mean? She moved out here to Vegas with us, you know? So it's, she's, she's part of the family. And, and I think, um, for right now, I think she's happy what she's doing. Uh, but I would not be surprised if we see her back on the competition floor in some capacity, I would assume probably something like teams, um, you know, maybe next year, uh, or, or the year after something like that. Brian, the three podcasts I listened to you, each one, you, he lets out a little bit, slip out a little bit more. You can hear that he's <laughs> him and Carrie are talking. She's definitely, she's. It's funny. This is the first time I heard. That I, I sense now, if I'm reading through the lines, that she could even come back individual. It's very clear as you listen to podcasts that she's coming back team, or at least they're talking about it. <laughs> but now I'm even sensing a little something even weirder coming out of Justin. Well, no, I, she, I she's chomping at the bit in there. She's she she's still crushing people, dude. I'm gonna tell you right now. She walks in the gym. And we haven't seen her for three, four days and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do a workout and, and Carrie just fucking, you know, come in and annihilate people. I mean, well, it's two, crazy. Two, it's crazy. two things. One is I specifically asked the question of, are you working with her? Because I, and I didn't necessarily mean as a coach athlete, I thought she might be just, you know, yes. helping you in some regard. She does. Yes. <clears throat> Second is that thing that you just said right there is something that people should pay attention to. If you want to crush the open, you only have to be able to crush one workout a week. But if she showed up for Wadapalooza training, how she is right now, I think that the first day would go well, and we'll see how the rest of the weekend goes. Uh, she's still pretty fit. I think she would have done well at Wadapalooza. I, I, I think. It, it, listen, she is. She's been competing since she was five years old. That that girl knows nothing but fucking competing. Like she, you know, even her retired. I, you know, she's eating better, sleeping better. Uh, still training in her garage gym, you know, she's still doing things that, that 99.9% of the world can't do. I'd say the biggest thing right now is the fact that she's, she's not lifting as heavy, right. As she has been. So she would probably get her ass handed to her a little bit on the strength events. Um, but honestly, that was never her, her, her bag anyway. You know what I mean? She was always going to have to manage that type of an event. Um, but you give her high skill, you give her, you know, anything with grit and she would still do really well on it. You know, she's just that what, type of person. Was she too small? If, if she was, if she was a 10 pounds bigger human being, would she, would she have won the game? Would it be um, a whole different creature? I don't know that it was a weight issue i not I necessarily weight, but you know what i mean like if she was too like stature an inch and a half taller and then, and then spread 10 pounds through that is she like oh shit tia's got a problem <clears throat> um i don't know i you know uh, listen tia is I, I don't know what you can say about tia tia's you know once in a generation um you they know, did really good with that cyborg we all believe it's human that's what you say about tia uh, yeah i mean she's just, <laughs> it's us. crazy um but uh, an inch and a half, two inches, three inches taller, 
on events, you know, that had rowing or, or wall balls or some of those things that, you know, were historically really a big challenge for her. Sure. It would help, but then you could say, well, what about, you know, how would that take away from her gymnastics or handstand pushups, right? Mm -hmm. She's got shorter levers. So she dominated on that stuff. I think there's a give and take there, man. I, I don't know that, that it would have mattered. I mean, I think she, I mean, I think if you go down the history of CrossFit, she's the, she's currently i'm not saying she'll she'll end that way but she's currently the 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 top american woman i i think and i i would say she's she's probably top 6 or 7 of all time right if you throw holty in there um and 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 carry very very similar careers um and obviously you've got the the mount rushmore um of those well of the 3 Right. I mean, Tia, then Annie and Katrin, however you want to put them. Brian that's, would that, that's geek, order. Bri- Brian would geek out <laughs> on this stuff. You know, but yeah, Carrie, Carrie's, I would, you know, she's, she's got to be maybe sixth, <clears throat> Brian, I would say, sixth or seventh. I have, uh, yeah, Tia, Annie, Katrin, uh, probably Cara, Cara Saunders, Sam yeah. Briggs, and then Holta and, Cla- and uh, Carrie. Yeah. Right. There you go. So you could argue six or seven. What was the girl's name out of um, New York from 2009? Um, she was. People thought she was going to win the games in 2009. She had a really bad uh, run. And did uh, she, she actually? Was she actually at the games? She was at the game. She threw a major temper tantrum after the run. Everyone thought she was going to win the game. She was super jacked and yoke out of New York. We did a piece on her. Did she compete she in the 2008 she, games? She never came back again. I think she did. She was a bodybuilder, gymnast. She trained at the black box with Jen Hunter. That's a um mm. Do you know who I'm talking okay. about? Did she did you finish in the top ten either of those years? Or was she just like totally I bombed? Think, I think she was supposed to annihilate the games in two thousand nine and after the second event or whatever that run event was. Well, there was Heather Bergeron, who was who was really good, and then there was Lauren Plumet. Yeah, was, these girls would were like this girl was like on a whole different league than them. Like in a, on a whole nother planet. And we did a piece on her. I'm trying to remember her name. Her name started with a G. Jillian Mouncey? Yes. Did you know she, her? She no. got third in 2008. I don't even see her in 2009. I think she dropped out after the second event. She was so fucking angry that they put a long Yeah, she finished her. 59th in that year. So she probably just did yeah, one event and stuff. <laughs> So the thing with Julia Munzee is so she would do Fran and she would beat everyone and she was a gymnast and then she wouldn't be lying on the ground. I'm going to tie this to Carrie Pierce here real quick. And, and at and any time, and, and Annie used to do this too, and maybe she does a little bit. There is a setup, a Zen tea party, a kind of like a, a transition that gymnasts do in the beginning of every move and at the end of every move. You know, it might be like this. Or <laughs> yeah. or, do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, sure. Do you think any, like, do you think any part of that um, hurt Carrie? Because um, that, that she was too eloquent, that she was too perfect, that, that there, that um, she, she, that she was too formal, that, she, that like it was perfection. No, and, I don't and think missing so. a piece of recklessness. No, okay. I don't think so. I you think know what I'm I, saying? Like yes, because of I that do. gymnastic I, perfection. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's uh the the virtuosity in every single event. Right. Yes. No. I, this I isn't think, a dig, of course. This is just yeah. like no. And, and I, that's one of the things actually that that Carrie and I, when we first started working together, like you know. <clears throat> it was competition is very different, right? Than being in a class or, or teaching. I mean, ultimately, right. What, 
we always talk about riding a line right between intensity and efficiency. Um, and at the games, you know, sometimes you got to get dirty, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's about getting the work done. And I think by the end, Carrie was, was of the mindset that this is by any means necessary. Like, however I have to beat somebody, Malcolm I, don't, X. I, I don't give a rat's, yeah, I don't give a rat's ass what it looks like. Um, ultimately it's now, of course we we've seen obviously in the past that, that those who tend to be more efficient, obviously, you know, over four or five days end up doing better most of the time. Um, but we've still had some people who've won the games who are not great movers. I'm going to tell you right now, like if you go back to watch it, I'm not going to call people out, but there are people who won the games who are not, not great movers. Sam right? <laughs> so I love Sam. She's, but, but there you go. There's, <laughs> nice, there's, Justin. There's nobody whose heart is bigger, right? Like, like there's nobody whose grit is, it, I mean, that girl can handle more pain than it, more pain in her fucking pinky than I can in my whole body. Let's be honest. All right. And, and that's Carrie too. Carrie has a, has a little bit of that, but also with the virtuosity of gym, of all those gymnastics events. Right. But, but I don't think Carrie gets enough credit for how much better she got at all the monostructural events that she sucked at, right, for years. And then before you know it, like, holy shit, Carrie's pr- pretty good at running now. Like, holy shit, Carrie's not bad on the assault bike now. Oh, Carrie's pretty good at this. Carrie's pretty – I mean, you know, I-, I think ultimately, you know, I'm not sure she got enough credit for that. I feel like any everybody just talked about how good she was at handstand push-ups. And it wasn't until, like, Atlanta where they were like, holy shit, she actually can run too – like that she actually, you know, that she got, that she got that just do. Um, but, but to be honest with you, if you know anything about it and I, I mean, you know, any hindsight's 2020, but if you watch the games in 2019 where Carrie fell off the rings, um, we, we, she fell off the rings because we weren't fucking playing for, for fifth or sixth or seventh. She fell off the rings because we were trying to win the fucking games. Like we were at least going for second. She was lined up for it perfectly. And we made a strategic decision to, to, um, to shorten her, her reps on, uh, on, uh, on the toast to, to rings. And it was working until the last rep where she, you know, her hip flexors and, and her, and her grip went out and she fell and we fucking went for it and we got burnt. You know, what are you going to, what are you going to say at the end? She finished fifth, you know, she still was top American, but, I, but there's no doubt in my mind. She finishes that workout. It doesn't fall and get the wind knocked out of her and get a fucking concussion. She finishes second that year. And then she's second and third in back-to-back years. You know, I, there's no doubt in my mind, but that sometimes that's what happens, man. You know, you sometimes you don't play for second, you know, you got to fucking go for it. And that's what we did that year. And and that's it then. I mean, no, no, that's awesome. And it's uh, something that I I don't think a lot of people have that insight to like there's even at the games, obviously everyone's amazing, but there's different, you know, tiers of athletes. And once you get into it a couple of days, you're very aware as a coach or athlete or team or whatever of who's very close to you. And you have to sometimes take those risks and it's a calculated risk. And you understand that if you fly, if you do it perfectly, there's a huge payoff. And if you just miss barely, then it's 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 potentially you know costly, but you you, you have to take the risk sometimes. When we when we met for the first time, or I wouldn't say the first time, we were already friends. It's a funny story, Carrie. I played with one of Carrie's teammates. Uh, I, I I didn't play. I coached one of Carrie's teammates at Michigan. 
Who is that? Uh, the, Who is that? Uh, her, her name was Lindsay Lindsay Maneri or Lindsay Borden. She was on CrossFit Adrenaline. They had a kick-ass team. My team dynamics and CrossFit Adrenaline a couple of years would, were battling like in that in for for the podium at the games. But anyway, I picked Lindsay. I signed Lindsay. She was the first athlete that we signed for the DC Brawlers in the Grizzly. She was the best grid athlete that I had ever been around. She was she she was the bodyweight specialist of the year in 2014, that first year. She was a freaking monster, okay? But anyway, Lindsay introduced Carrie to me. When Carrie came to New York, it was 2014. Carrie was just getting into CrossFit. She'd been doing CrossFit for three months. She was like, you got to go see Justin. So Carrie came to see me and I started programming for Carrie in 2014. Wow. Three weeks, three weeks after I started programming for her, I still have the fucking email she sent me that said, Justin, I'm so sorry, but the owners of the gym that I work at say that I can't follow your programming. I have to follow their programming or they're going to fire me because she's working as a coach. So she had to get off of my programming. That was a CrossFit gym that did that? (laughs) Which CrossFit gym was that? I'm not going to fuck Justin. Normally, I wouldn't ask you or put you in that situation, but that's it. I don't know if that's ethically you know dude that happened a lot trust me back then especially because they wanted you know they wanted to plug like they saw that they had a fucking diamond in the rough right so yeah. they wanted to be like she's following our programming you okay. want to be like Carrie Pierce come in and take class and you're going to be a- so anyway you think that still happens I uh, I don't uh actually yes I think it does still happen <laughs> well, you're going to have you're going to have some gym owners. You're going to have some, um, you know, that, that just can't deal. You know, they're, they're, they're so insecure that they, they can't, you know what I mean? Like they can't deal with that. But, but anyway, let me, okay. Let, let me, Sorry. Go let, ahead. Let me finish. So, yes. so, so Carrie and I started at that point, but then, you know, she had to stop and, but we were friends like for the next couple of years, she would always come out to dynamics whenever she was prepping for the games. Cause we had all the fun toys, right? Like we had all the yokes and the, this and the, that, like, because we had a lot of athletes that were training out of there that went to the games and we had teams that went to the games, et cetera. So finally, when she came to me, um, in 2018 and she was like, listen, I want to make a change. Uh, I've been wanting to make a change for a while, and I only want you to coach me. And I didn't know if I was going to do it, to be honest with you. I just had a, my, our first kid. My wife and I just had our first kid. I was, I was really busy with the gym. We were, we were really busy at the time. And I didn't know if I wanted to. I, I had been coaching you know, uh, either teams or individuals a long time, and I really in my head was like, I'm probably going to take the year and not coach anybody, right? But she took me out to dinner. She said, I want you to coach me. And I said, okay. I said, well, what are, what are your goals? What do, you, what do you want to do? And she just looked at me right in the fucking eyes. And she said, I want to be the next American woman that makes it on the podium. That's all I want is to make This was 2015, you said? 18. This was 18. 18. Sorry. Yeah. And, and right there, I was like, okay, I'm in. Like, there's no doubt. Like, I'm, I'm doing this, you know? And, uh, but that was our that was our goal. Like that was it. We were, we were going for broke, you know, it was, it was the podium or bust. And she, you know, that year in 19, like if, if, if you remember like her, Jamie green and Holty were battling for that second and third spot. Like they were battling, they were battling back and forth. Um, and, and we were going for it, man. And, and that's, you know, I love, I, I, I will always say like, I, I obviously didn't want her to fall, but the, the conviction you know, that we had prior to that event. And that was just Carrie. Like she was, 
You know, it was like, listen, this is what I want from my career. I don't want people to remember me for finishing fourth or fifth. Like, I want to make the fucking podium. That's what I want to do. Why did she and choose you? Awesome. What did she see, Justin? Like, why didn't she go with one of the name brand? Why didn't she go to the Mayhem Empire or to Comp yeah. Train? Or, I mean, there's tons of fucking really good. I, I didn't. I mean, I, granted, I, I, I mean, I didn't know who you were in 2018. What did you have on your resume? Who did you have? What did you? Pro- how had you proven yourself already? Uh, I mean, you had Pomanian in 2010. It, like, I could have trained my mom to win the games. Back yeah, then. for sure. And and I. That's not a so, dig, Jessica. I love you. No, by no, the no. Way. No. So, I mean, she knew me from coaching. So we we had had some pretty good teams at Dynamics, and then she knew me very well from the Grid League, which obviously uh, you know we were we we you know we were dominant. You know what I mean? Um, the DC you know, Brawlers. That was the name of your team, yeah. and you guys were you guys were good, a good team. Uh, we Dominant. lost one. We lost one match in three years. Wow. Yeah, we won two championships. We lost. We won. We lost one match in, in three years. And 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 a carry. You know, I think. And I also had Coach Khan at that at that time. Okay. Um, but but honestly, I was much more of a of a team coach at that specific time. Um, and but you know, we had just developed this um, this trust that you know, and she she saw kind of how I, you know, how I coached the teams and especially in grid and because she played for Boston uh, in the grid league. So she played a year uh, for, for the Boston iron. Um, And then I think we had just developed this friendship. She was really close with my wife. And, you know, I think that mattered to her that it was somebody that she trusted and someone that she, you know, felt good about as far as just, you know, values and this and that. And, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm lucky. I will say that. I feel very fortunate about it because, you know, none of this shit would have happened without Carrie. There's no how, doubt about it. How many years younger is your wife than you? She's nine years younger than me. Do you ever get confused as her father? No. No, no. Not okay. at all. <laughs> all right, just um, uh, in, in another, I'm, I'm a few months away from sometimes when I go out, when my beard gets really long, I go out with my mom. And I, I, I'm now her husband, and, and and my kids are our grandkids. Well, my kids are younger than yours, bro. I'm a, I'm a couple of years younger than you. What are you, forty eight? I'm forty nine. Yeah, so I'm a couple of years younger than you. You're, um, and, and you and, and because of your gray, you probably look a little bit older than you are, yeah. especially if someone can't see you move well, or see if your I body. Go really long. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then um and then and and then your wife's uh like the ten. Hot too. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind <laughs> of you're in a you're in a weird situation. And then I got a five-year-old and a. You're a really good-looking duck next to a swan. Mm, there you go. And the <laughs> right. duck is just a duck, no matter. I'll, what. Take, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, but there's nice ducks. It just you never be a nice swan. ducks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said you were you said you were a, a team coach. Um, it's interesting. You you have someone, and this is just my judgment from the outside world. You have someone who's as polished who could be on a Wheaties box like Carrie Pierce, and then you have someone who, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if her boyfriend dropped her off with an eighty-one sticker on his motorcycle on the Hell's Angels jacket, uh, Daniel Brandon, <laughs> at the same gym. Um, and yet it seems like those girls like like truly coexist. Yeah, they do. They coexist well. Is that Danielle's you? Danielle's fucking awesome, man. Happy birthday, D. Um, Happy birthday, Danielle. Yeah, it was a birthday yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I, is it me? I don't know. I I, I, it, I think it's the whole package, man. I think it's the entire environment. I think it's me. I think it's my wife. I think it's my kids. I think it's, 
Carrie. I think it's, you know, the whole crew that we have that that is extremely, uh, you know, competitive, but at the same time, extremely understanding, you know, of, of the value that each person brings to the table. Um, you know, and that's not to say that Danielle hasn't had her moments. She'll admit that. I mean, Danielle is, is, is volatile. Danielle is, is, uh, emotional. Um, but Danielle is, I will tell you right now, (laughs) and I have said this since I started working with Danielle, there are two women in the world, two women in the world right now who have absolutely no weaknesses. And Danielle Brandon is one of them. I will say it until I'm blue in the fucking face where Danielle needs to catch up. And she knows, you know, is we're still working on leveling out the emotions over a weekend. Danielle can do anything. She's the most talented athlete I've ever worked with. And it's, it's absolutely crazy, you know, to, to see what she can do in the gym, but you know, she's like I said, I mean, you know, she's a roller coaster of emotions and if we, you know, and it's getting better, I see it. It's getting better. Like when, once it gets to that point, she is an athlete who can win the CrossFit games, you know, and I won't say that about a lot of people, but she is an athlete who can win the game saying, not saying she will, but she is an athlete who can. And there are not a lot of those that walk into the gym. There, there, there are a lot of athletes that you look at. They're like, wow, that athlete's really good, but there are some limitations here. Or there's some limitations here and there's some things maybe even physically or anatomically we're never going to be able to get to that point. Daniela doesn't have any of those. Um, but is, man. Is there a hierarchy with all the different athletes? And I asked the same question to Ben Bergeron when we had him on. And what I mean by that is there are actual positions where you're like, hey, so-and-so is the it person, kind of the leader of the uh, the group here during the training days? Or is it not talked about? And, and if it's not talked about, is it happening organically? Do you see that there? And is that something that you're having to curate and manage and constantly make sure that everybody's playing nice? Yeah, I, I, would, I would say, I mean, as far as athletes were concerned, Carrie, for certain was the leader. Um, now I think with Carrie out of the gym, um, that, you know, I would probably say I'm the leader now, you know, but, but I would, you know, Danielle and and Bethany certainly are, are whom everybody, you know, looks up to. Um, and you know, they haven't been in the gym a ton together until now, like Bethany's finally back, you know, she, after Waterpalooza, she went to Texas for a little while, went to go see her boyfriend in California. Um, you know, Danielle was gone for a little while, um, but now they're back in the gym and, and, you know, I think those two, essentially everybody seems to, um, you know, look to those two and, and, and obviously it, but it's great, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's amazing to see that many competitive athletes in an environment, um, who, who get along extremely well in the gym and out of the gym, you know, we'll, we'll have barbecues over here at the house and everybody fucking loves each other. You know what I mean? It's really cool. Now that's not to say they don't want to you know, kick the shit out of each other every day. You know, it gets competitive. No, trust me. Course, it's, uh, yesterday, course. yesterday, Ali Scuds smoked this skill session. Smoked this skill session that we did, and you know, she beat Danielle. And you know, Danielle, you could tell her fucking, you know, her head was about to explode. But I love it. You know, what I mean, I love to yeah. see that because it's, it's just, a healthy competitive. And that's not to say Danielle didn't do. She she crushed it too. It's just that Ali destroyed it and. And it was, it's beautiful to see they just level up each other all the time. You know, it's, it's a, it's a cool thing to see. I want to go back to uh, what uh, Matt's question is, but I want to say one other thing. I don't know shit about uh, the athletic side, about what you said about her um, being, having no weakness and, and, and putting her kind of, 
on this tier with Tia, which every, I promise you that everyone wants to believe. And the reason why everyone wants to believe that, and I'll tell you this, I do know this for a fact, there's very few athletes today that can win the game, CrossFit Games one time and launch into superstardom. There's very few. I cannot think of any actually off the top of my head. If Danielle Brandon wins the CrossFit, they would need to win it at least two or three times now. The bar's been set so fucking high. Like no, like no, no one knows who the fuck Sam Brings is. Like it, let's just face it. She's she's not she's not on the cover of all these women's fitness magazines and all this shit. You got to win a lot now. If Danielle Brandon wins the CrossFit game, she's gonna fucking launch into the fucking stratosphere like she won it five times. It's gonna be she's got it. I agree. She's hot. She's fucking built like a, like a fucking centaur with a woman's body on it. It's like that's the horse thing, right? The centaur. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's on a whole. She's got she she wins and and flips the crowd off with a smile, and everyone's like, "Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take the fucking <laughs> right, from you." Right, I mean, right. like she's fucking. It's it, it's fucking Josh Bridges incarnate. It's like she's it's, got it's it. the female Josh yep. Bridges. Yeah, it's fucking it's it's nuts, and um, she's real as shit. And, uh, you know, when we had her on the podcast, she's just like, yeah, I don't trust anyone. You're just like, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, uh, so, so kudos to her. I mean, it would be, um, she also doesn't have to win the CrossFit games, which a lot of people, I mean, <clears throat> which a lot of people can't say and still launch into superstardom that, so she has, well, we've she's, talked she's, about she's, ju she's juggling a lot. She's juggling a lot. Yeah. We, we've talked about that though. And, 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 you know, what I don't, what I don't want to see because it would suck if she went the route. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. It would suck if she went the route of the fake titties and the Botox and the, and the lip. I, don't think she's I would fucking for me. I mean, I'm just completely selfish. That would bum me out. No, that I don't would. think she's going to do that. I, right, I, right. I don't think so about, either, but I'm just saying what we talk about is, and I'm not hating on those people. I just don't no, want to no. see her do that. Well, yeah. And, and I, we, we talk about the fact that, Hey D like, you know, you, you're now, well, we say you're now a CrossFit celeb, right? Like you've, you've taken off to the next level and, and, you know, especially from these last games, et cetera. But, you know, in, in 10 years, right. When you look back at your career, what I want is I, I want you to be a CrossFit celeb because you were on the podium multiple times, not, not just because, you know, you're, you're attractive and you flipped off the crowd and you're the, you know, you're kind of the bad girl, this, not, you know, and, and we talk about that because, you know, it would be very easy for her to be like, hey, I'm going to do kind of the bare minimum. I'm going to finish between 10th and 20th, stay relevant and, and finish between 10th and 20th every year. But that's enough that people are still going to see me. I'm going to get a shit ton of sponsors. I'm going to make a shit ton of money because they're going to pay me. But I'll tell you what, like she has the talent to be on that podium perennially. And that's as a coach, you see that and you're just like, well, let's fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like, let's, that's all. Like, let's do it. It's not good enough for me that you're a CrossFit celeb. Like I, I, I want, I want it to be performance based, you know? So I, I can see her also being that. like Kalipa and Katrin too, in the sense that I never saw Katrin say no to anyone. Katrin would lose a fucking event and fucking some little kid would wave and she'd fucking go over and sign their shirt. Same with Kalipa, like just endless giving to the crowd. And then when they went away, they went away, but they knew that the role was bigger than just performing when you're out there. Like they gave themselves. I love those athletes. By the way, those of you who don't do that, you're going to regret it in hindsight. You are going to regret it when you're, when the sun sets on your career that you didn't give, that you didn't go out of your way to see every kid before you walked off this podium. Cause no one's going to give a shit and, and you can really affect people. Yeah. Josh too. Josh too. She and my, my daughter are like hilarious. They're, 
they're so funny they're they're good buds but they're literally like they they like clash it's awesome i love it yeah my daughter's competitive as fuck she's five years old she's a freak athlete and so it's cool in the gym because she'll she'll, wait how old's your daughter she's five oh um and she's she's she might be the best athlete in the gym um (laughs) she's she's crazy so anyway she'll be in there doing some you know front hamstring or you know whatever she learned in gymnastics she'll do you know back uh uh, pull over this and that she'll walk up to danielle and she'll be like I can do this and you can't do it. And all of a sudden, Danielle's just like, oh yeah, Ivy? And she, Danielle will go do that shit. And Ivy will be like, oh, like, you know, and I'm just like, Ivy, don't talk shit. Danielle can do that. <laughs> it's awesome. So good. Justin, you said that you were, uh, th- I think this is a direct, direct quote. I was put on earth to sing. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Did you? Yeah. That's a previous life now. You know, but, but about. how, how are you, um, um, that, I mean, that's a, that's fucking a, that's a statement. Are, are, when's the last time you, you, you sung, sung a word on stage? Oh, just period. Uh, like, did you uh, sing, have you sung today? Uh, no, it's very, it's very early in the morning. And you sang to, uh, happy birthday to Danielle yesterday. Yeah. Did you, uh, last, last show that I did was, was 20, probably 2014, I would say. And, and was that at Mar-a-Lago in front of Trump? Uh, that I actually in front of Trump at Mar-a-Lago would have been like 20, 2008, 2009 in that range. And then I'm just did, showing off for Brian right now. Brian's like, God, the last big cool one, shit. the last, the <laughs> last like super big event that I did was, was, uh, 20, uh, actually it was hilarious. You want to hear something funny? Jeez. I was coaching my team. So team dynamics, 2014 at regionals, Northeast regionals, Saturday night, um, I was hired by an event band to do the CEO of Reebok's 50th anniversary um, on at their private estate um, in Cape Cod. We opened for Diana Ross. Was that Matt O'Toole? That's awesome. I don't fucking know. It was a huge estate. I'm, I'm not sure it was, but I, I'll tell you, it was swanky as hell. And what's funny as shit is the swankier it was, the shittier they treated the band. They put us in like, you know, <laughs> fucking, like, we were in like a fucking dungeon downstairs. You know, all these, there's 15 musicians, full horn section, five singers, like most kick-ass band you would ever go and see. And they were sitting in a dungeon, right? And, and you had to and wear a mask like, and it was 2014 yeah, and they still yeah. made you wear a mask. Yeah, right. No, but that was, that was, you know, that was the last like really big event that, that I did. It was, that was, uh, once I started coaching in grid, um, I, I just got so fucking busy that, that I was, you know, and, and the, and the box was busy and I was coaching teams and I was doing this and I was like, you know what, something's got to give here. And, um, you know, I've had a good run, you know, I, I was, I did music. No, I was a solo, a I was with a band starting in 97 and then a solo artist up until about 2009. And then I was just a hired gun, just doing like big, big events. But, you know, it was, uh, I love, I mean, music, like I said, you know, music was, was the, I was put on earth to sing, uh, but I hate the fucking music industry. It was, it just wore on me. I, I by the time I left the music industry and that's kind of when I, transition you know over to crossfit and, and fitness because i played college athletics and i was always into sports but um you know i i was so beaten i was so beaten up like i i was i was just by that time you know from 
get, you know, getting a record deal and, and then having your shit not do what you thought it was going to do. And then going on tour and, and having an amazing six months and all of a sudden tour, uh, uh, goes bankrupt and you're like what the fuck you know it's just it was one thing after another it was just constantly this and in 2007 i had pretty much the, like the most roller coaster ride i had had as a musician and um got really sick at the end of the year and, and ended up in the hospital and and then you know I, I that's how i how i got my body back and my my mind really was was crossfit was functional fitness in general what year you know, was that so 2007 I have ulcerative colitis that was uh, d- diagnosed when I was 18 uh, in college. Um, and uh, what is that? You, something's wrong with one of your intestines. Irritable, irritable bowel disease. Like you know, Crohn's, Crohn's disease. I really um, don't. I mean, I can pretend okay. like I do, but yeah, I don't. Crohn, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis or irritable bowel diseases. They're they're random. They no one knows. They're autoimmune. They don't. They, they just come. You know what I mean? It's not. No, nobody understands why that happens. Um, uh, but, but anyway, when I was 18 years old, it was, it was, uh, you know, my freshman year of college and all of a sudden I started shitting blood and, uh, <laughs> I was like, this isn't good. So I went to the doctor they did a colonoscopy and, and I had ulcerative colitis and I didn't really understand that at the time. It's a pretty debilitating disease for a lot of people. Um, and I generally was in check, you know, I had had some flares, but generally in check until, uh, until uh, right around Thanksgiving, 2007, uh, I lost 60 pounds in about three weeks. I went from, um, 170. I, I oh, checked in the no. hospital. I checked in the hospital at 119, 119. How tall are you? Almost six feet. Yeah. You were dying. Yes. Dying. I was dying. Resting heart rate of 110 at that time. Wow. Holy so, shit. Were your parents me, freaking out? Uh, everybody was freaking out. It was it was scary, man. Were it you was, in denial? What happened? You what what happens? You just stop eating because you shit so much you're like, fuck, no, I'm not eating anymore. I'm uh, just gonna stop you eating. try to eat and you just couldn't keep anything in your system. You're talking about literally you take a sip of water, run to the bathroom. Wow. Okay. Oh yeah, that's like my life now. Yeah. Maybe I have that. <laughs> so it's not so, like that uh, with food, just water. <laughs> So the, checked into the hospital. Uh, I mean, you know, essentially put put me on all sorts of meds, and you know, I was sitting in the hospital, kind of just thinking about my life, and and I was like, you know, something's got to fucking give here. I'm 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 not happy. You know, I'm 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 really just not happy uh, with with where I'm at with with music with uh, you know the industry with my with my management company with. You know, I'm I'm bitter. I'm, I've become a bitter artist, like a bitter, tortured artist, man. I was just pissed off all the fucking time, and I was bitter about people who who were my contemporaries, who I I had sung with in, in college, and then in in Philly, you know, where where I had had the most fun making music, and now they had gone on to do you know what I had expected to do, right? Like I sang with John Stevens in in college. You know who John Stevens is? I don't. But John I don't know. Stevens, I don't know music at all. John Stevens is John Legend. Do you know who John Legend oh, is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So John and I sang college, and we were contemporaries, and we did a lot of stuff inside and outside the studio, and it was kind of both our careers were kind of doing this, right? And 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 then his, you know, his roommate in college was Kanye West's um, cousin, and Con- and he introduced him to Kanye. He became Kanye's um, keyboardist, and then his career took off, right? Um, so I was just fucking bitter because I, I I felt like I'm as good as these fucking guys. Why am I not? You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, that's, that's the deal, man. Right. Like not everybody, no matter how good you are, sometimes it does fucking matter. Like, mm-hmm. you know, some people get there, some people don't. And I had had a good career. I had done a lot of cool things, but, but for me, it was time to make a decision. Am I, am I going to constantly be on this roller coaster ride or am I, am I going to do something where I can make a difference and not be bitter? 
And a buddy of mine who was an actor and I started training together to get my body back in 2008. And that, and you know, this we is started, in New York. This is yeah, in New York. Okay. This is in a store, a story in New York. Um, and, and we started following, you know, CrossFit, we started following.com. We started following Jim Jones at the time and doing a lot mm-hmm. of stuff like the Mark Twight stuff. And, and we, we just, you know, the, the two of us, um, he pissed we, me off recently. Yeah. Well, sorry. That, that was a long time ago. This was 2008. Um, so, so we, uh, we started doing that stuff and then all of a sudden it started to, you know, we were at the, like I said, we were at this Globo gym and, and people started to be like, what is that stuff? You know? And, and we started coaching this class and people, it was called midnight madness. People started following it. And I started to, to find something that I felt like, okay, this is, this is, my new stage. Like this is a way that I can help people. This is a way that I can affect people where, you know, music can, can do that. And and now I can do that with fitness. And, uh, it was just kind of like the, the, the snowball started down the mountain. And I, st- I was doing both at the time I was doing music and I was doing fitness. So I would two two I would, jobs that no one ever is successful in music and fitness. Good job. Yeah, Your yeah. parents must've been really proud. And I, right, and I, and I was an Ivy League graduate. I was like, I'm so oh, fucking shit. smart. I became a musician, and then I fucking opened the gym. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So I, so, uh, let me take a break here real quick. Um, are you born and raised in New York? No. Born and raised in – I was born in Miami and raised in Hollywood, Florida. Okay. And, 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 and so do your parents know you're on this journey? Who, who's supporting, who's like emotionally, intellectually supporting you through all this? Your parents? Yeah. My parents were pretty fucking cool. No doubt. I mean, my dad, my, I would say my parents were not extremely pleased at the prospects of me becoming uh, a recording artist until Mm -hmm. they came to watch me. Um, well, I was in college. I sang in a group called the inspiration. It was, uh, an RB acapella group. I was the only white member of the group. Um, there was like 17 of us, um, token, my, token white guy, token white uh, guy. Yeah. But I could sing my ass off and, and my parents came to watch. And by the end of my, my time there, I was one of the standout soloists and my parents came and they were like, we get it. You know what I mean? Like we knew you could sing, but, but, but we get it. And then I, I got in this kick-ass band and in, in Philly and, and we were really big in Philly at the time. And, and they would come and see it. They were, they were super proud, you know, but I think they also towards the end, they, they could see that, that I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I just wasn't happy. My habits had changed. I, you know, I was very erratic, um, drinking too much and, you know, doing, doing stupid shit. And, you know, so once I, once I transitioned to, 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 uh, to fitness, man, it was, uh, it really was like, almost like, it was almost like a fucking wake up, you know, big wake up and epiphany, a fucking calling, whatever the fuck you want to say it is. I'm not super religious, so I'm not going to go down that path. But, you know, for me, it's, it, it really was, you know, where I felt like, okay, you know, like I've given everything that I have to, to music and now, and now I'm ready to give everything that I have to this. And I met my wife and wow, we opened up a gym, um, called dynamics and uh, what year was this 2000 and uh end of 2010 beginning of 2011 okay can we hold on there i, I want to go back to t- two things real quick how did you get out of the hospital at 119 pounds what did they give you no so i was i checked in at 119 and and uh the problem was is that, that nothing that, that, that they were able to give me at home over the counter not over the counter but prescription meds that i was taking was stopping it. So I had to have massive doses of solumedrol, which is essentially just injectable uh, uh, corticosteroids. Um, 
And they, and they did that, uh, for, and I don't know if you know anything about like prednisone or, I mean, that stuff is fucking poison over time. Um, and it's not, these are catabolic steroids. They're not anabolic. They don't build your body up. Right. Um, and they turn you into a fucking lunatic. You get, you get all the side effects of roid rage. You get all that other stuff. Like you get incre- incredibly erratic thoughts. And when I say that, like you've got to, every, every part of your being when you're on them for a long period of time, especially at high doses, you, you've got to think about not hurting people. Wow. Like that's, that's kind of where I was. And also just mad about, you know, being sick and all that shit. So anyway, they gave me that. And then you've got to, then once you get out of the hospital, you're no longer on the intravenous. So you've got to take high doses of prednisone. And then they, they weaned me off of that over time. Um, but eventually I, I got it. I, you know, I, I, um, uh, there are some drugs they call biologics. Like if you've probably seen the, the, um, the, uh, ads on TV, like Humira, um, you know, different thing, injectables at home. And those basically changed my life. Like I, I, I take one injectable every two weeks and it, and it, and it stopped me from having flares for the last, you know, 10 years. So it's, wow. been, it's been pretty amazing. And then I'm obviously extremely diligent about, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't do a lot of, of things that are, you know, like, like I, I don't drink a lot. I don't do drugs and stuff. And, and that was stuff I was getting into obviously at, at that time. And so, you know, there's some stuff that I do that, you know, take care of your body more not two kids. So I don't get a ton of sleep. So I can't say that I get a, a ton of sleep, but, right. um, but my wife is the rock star there. Honestly, she's, uh, she's, I mean, there's not, none of this shit would, would get done without her. I mean, she's the, she's the locomotion. She's the, the, <laughs> she really runs the shit. I'm more the visionary and the, She's got to rein me back in, you know what I mean? But anyway, so you were in the hospital and you were sick and they gave you some drugs. There was no, whatever it was, these prednisones, these catabolic steroids, they weren't going to cure you. They were just a bandaid, but actually they were going to drive you crazy. And thank God you found this other solution. That's this other uh, treatment called biologic. Um, do, do the girls and this, I got distracted by your eyebrows. Sorry. This is just a little detour. Do the girls at the gym admire your eyebrows and talk about your eyebrows a lot? No. Do you do anything to those? just just you know yeah. occasional occasional maintenance maybe trim them up a little bit but no no waxing or anything like no that. man they're they're they don't look they're so perfect oh thanks bro I appreciate yeah that. yeah um, cool. um how tell me about this band w- where it's all black dudes and you how did you get on oh well, men, men and women it was uh, uh yeah uh, how do you get on that and is it did you have hair then no so i started shaving i did have hair <laughs> i i i actually still do have hair? I I've been shaving my head since my sophomore year in college. I had a full head of hair. I just liked the way it looked. I okay. was like, okay, yeah. So, um, I uh, it does look good. Thanks, bro. Um, so <laughs> I, you know, when I um, I went and I saw this group. There was a girl I was dating at the time in college, and uh, oh, thanks, Eric. Some guy just said I'm a handsome guy. I appreciate that. Um, I uh, I was. I was in college and I was playing sports and I was doing this. I was doing that. And a, a girl I was dating was on this, uh, was, was, was on a, a dance, you know, a dance, she's in a dance company, um, at Penn. Um, and, uh, and I went and they, they did this show with this other, um, you know, uh, uh, campus sponsored or school sponsored group. And it was this group called the inspiration and the inspiration was an R and B gospel group. Um, and I watched it and I was like, this is exactly what I do. This is exactly what I sing. You know, like this is this, I, I should be in this, I should be in this group. 
And I went to an audition and, you know, it was an open audition for anyone at campus who was interested in joining the group. And uh, there were a couple callbacks you had to go to. And, um, you know, and I remember it's, it was funny. They came, they come to your door. If you get in, they came to your door and uh, they, had, they had this, one of the guys from the group knocks on the door. And he's like, listen, man, he's like, you were really close, but at the end of the day, man, they, we just weren't going to take any white people. <laughs> they came and, they said that. and then of course the whole group jumps out and they're like, ah, fuck you. You're in, you know, like that thing. And it was, it was cool, man. It was like, I was, I was like a little you know, humor around racism, a little yeah, humor dude, around racism. It was funny, you know, and I, I was, I was, I was, how, it was cool, how, man. It was cool. How many other white guys tried out? Uh, at the year that I tried out, there was, um, uh, there was another guy who was great. Another, there was a, a white, a, another white guy. There was a, 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 a guy who was, uh, an Indian guy. Um, an and, Indian and, dude. Yeah. Really great singer. <laughs> like dot, not feather. Uh, how, how are you doing? My parents came from, from India, India, Mumbai, yes. and I am here to try out for your Incredi- incredible, incredible singer, but like oh, Indian shit. American, Indian American guy. Yeah. Uh, they're all just um, Indians to me. Wow. Singer. Wow. Wow. And, That's uh, amazing. God, Indian I, people can fucking do anything. By the time at the end, there were four of us that were still there. One black dude, one white dude, uh, two white dudes and an, and an Indian dude. And then, uh, and I, yeah, I got, the, I got the nod. So it was, it was pretty cool, man. And I, and there were about, there were about, uh, there were about 16 or 17 of us. It was co it was co-ed and we did, you know, uh, the, basically the, the, uh, the, um, the mission statement was essentially like they, w- they were trying to bring, you know, um, essentially black artists, you know, so it was, we only did music that was either, um, you know, pr- produced, written, composed, or performed by black artists. So we did everything from gospel to R and B, you know, um, and, uh, and but was, but you was, didn't have to be black, black to be in. I wonder, were you the first dude ever, white dude, in that band? There was one. Uh, there was one guy prior to to. There was one dude. Uh, his name was Josh. Prior to me getting in the group, yeah. Um, but it was fucking. It was awesome, dude. It was. Oh, dude, it was, it's it was awesome. a blast. I had it's a great awesome. time. I'm gonna tell you right now, my college experience was was amazing. I, you know, it was it was great. Um, you know, ath- athletics and 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 arts and and I was an English major, so I was cool with the you know kind of the whole English side, history, philosophy. Like it was just a blast. And then and then I left school, and I was either going to turn pro in golf or or be a be a singer. But I was a better singer, so I went that route. Wait, one, hold that thought about golf for a second. The only yeah. thing, the only way I can relate to this, <laughs> <laughs> Brian's like me. You're overstimulating us, Justin. <laughs> the only way I can relate to this, and I know there's people that hate them as well, but you know, the Dave Matthews Band is my is one of my favorite bands. I've been to like f- 42 concerts of theirs. I think. Wow. Are they and, white or black? Well, that's the thing. In in early 90s in Virginia, um. You know, Dave was this guy from South Africa and he's playing at a local bar and he and next thing you know, he starts playing with this group of guys. And it was crazy, like a crazy collection of guys. The bassist, the bassist was white and he was 15 or 16 years old when they started. And he's still with the band. And then it was three black guys, drummer, violinist, Carter Beaufort. He has an insane the violinist, which is super rare to have a violinist in this kind of band in general, also black. And then uh, Leroy Moore, who passed away in 2008, but was the the horns player. And those five guys stayed together, two white guys, one young kid and three black guys. They stayed together until, uh, you know, he passed the one guy passed away in 2008 and three of them are still with the band now until the George Floyd incident. Then they all broke up. (laughs) Well, honestly, it's something similar to that, that caused the violinist to separate from the band, but it's just cool to hear that like 
like, you know, that kind of thing was happening in your life too, where, you know, it, it wasn't an issue, even though at that time in the early nineties and late eighties, like racism was still a prevalent thing and still is in some parts of the South. So I always had that like kind of separate appreciation well, for them. Not just the, the South. And- California is built on racism. <laughs> California is the, you want to see the most racist place on the planet come to Berkeley, California. <laughs> I jo- I joined the group in 95, uh, so 95, 96. And, and, but I remember, you know, I mean, Dave Matthews was, was just getting fucking huge at that time. You know, they were, they were starting to get huge. Um, but it was interesting. I don't know, man, like I grew up, you know, my mom will tell you a story about when I was three years old, she just still remembers, you know, driving a car and, and me singing, you know, Stevie wonder, you know, in perfect pitch back in fucking when I was three. And she was always like, her favorite band was, was, um, the Doobie Brothers. So Michael McDonald, if you know anything about music, Michael McDonald, I mean, that's blue-eyed soul. You can't get more fucking soulful than that, dude. You know, so I grew up listening to, you know, kind of like what who I call like the 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 Holy Trinity, which was, you know, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Donnie Hathaway. Oh, like those were my dang. inspirations. And then and then my contemporaries, you know, uh were Maxwell, D'Angelo, uh, Neo Soul, like Jill Scott, Indy Irie, who apparently has caused a lot of a lot of shit this week with uh with joe rogan so i didn't realize she's a kook she's a kook but she was great listen her first album was the shit okay back in yeah yeah yeah, 99 yeah millie vanilli were fucking amazing too they (laughs) even though they didn't sing their shit was amazing those fuckers got canceled and they and it wasn't like who cares who's singing it what do i care it's crazy that a band could be canceled because they're not the real singers but the the music was fucking amazing and their dance moves and their hair um what when you were when you were do you think that there's something your mom said that when she would hear you sing that nurtured that ability do you know what i'm saying like she rewarded you with a certain smile and you're like like let's say you really weren't born to sing and you she heard something come out of you and she smiled and then she nodded and then you started chasing this acceptance like we all do and this love for our parents because it's survival right and 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 like do you think you could write a book about that so the rest of us parents could like mimic what your mom did that made that seed in you just fucking because you're still so confident about your voice obviously i mean you talk let about me ask like, you a question yeah let me, let me ask you a question because this is i think that we gravitate towards the things that we're good at right like if you're really fucking fast like you're you know <laughs> you're just faster than anybody else right then you like to play tag at lunchtime every day. And then you realize, like, you realize you're faster than everybody else. Yep. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, I'm good at this and, and I'm getting rewarded for it because I'm really good at it. I, maybe this is something I should do, right? Well, I could just sing. Like, I don't know. You know, it was just one of those things. Like, you can jump high. You can run fast. You're really fucking smart. Like, you know, I, I, and obviously you can get better at those things. But at the end of the day, I always say to people, like, how did you learn how to sing? I didn't learn how to sing. It wasn't a learn how to sing. Uh, you know, how did you learn how to be fast? Like, generally speaking, the people who are fast, they just are faster at, at, at in the playground when they're five years old. Like, they're faster, you know? Um, I don't know. Just I could just sing. And it was, yes, it was definitely parents. But I think it was, it, I think it was everybody. You know, like when I was a little kid, I would get up and I wasn't afraid to get up and sing in front of people or, or, and, and I, you know, I would get accolades for that. And and I feel like it was the same way in athletics. Like 
I, you know, I would on the playground or, or as I got older, you know, during gym class, like I was just better than you were at basketball. Like it, you know, that was the way it was. And so, you know, I, so I continued to play and, and then I, you know, and then I went, eventually was recruited to play in college and then you go to college and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm hot shit. And then there's a bunch of people better than you. And then you're like, I'm not hot shit anymore. You know, it's like, you just keep going till you get to that point where you're like, you know, how good can I be at something? Um, and, and for, and for me, like singing wise or, or music wise, you know, it was just something that always felt right and felt good. Um, until it didn't anymore, you know, that was just kind of the way it was. Um, and that's kind of when fitness, you know, kind of fitness took over at that time. For those of you who don't know, um, it, um, this is Justin Kotler who's on, uh, with, uh, Brian and Matt Susan, myself, he is a coach uh, and owner of underdogs athletics out of Las um, Vegas. It, he's recently just popped up on my radar and, and, and he's, but he's just one of those people who's becoming very successful that like, you know, from my perspective is overnight success. But as soon as you scratch the surface, just barely, you realize there is absolutely zero overnight success here. Uh, the overnight success that we witnessed is just athletes from all over the world are contacting them coming out of the woodwork. And it's a, it's a, it's a really broad, a wide variety of people he's training and um, it's a it's a it's a cool band, man. They they these these people can do it all: boys, girls, all from different uh, countries, places, um, attitudes, upbringings. There's a um, and and now so there's a lot of curious on what who Justin is and why these people are um, coming out to Vegas to train uh, with him. It's a it, man. It, it's it's a it's a crazy and and he's done it all in the space. And by all in the space, at the top of this space is basically things like CrossFit, the Grid. I mean, in this um, competition space, and uh, and and then this other thing that um, that, what's it, is it called? IF three? What is it called again? Yeah, IF three International Functional Fitness. So, you know, and I, you're involved I, in that also, right? Yeah, I'm the I'm the I'm the head coach of Team USA. Okay, wow, USAFF, which is how I met Maddie Delugos, um, and and also like, do uh, you know Gretchen Kittleberger? I do know she used to work at CrossFit. Yeah, so Gretchen. I did Gretchen, a photo shoot with Gretchen at Greg Glassman's house once. She she was do, doing all these cool jumps and shit, and I was taking yeah, pictures of them. I wonder what happened to those pictures. Gretchen is the president of the IF3, but Gretchen, uh, I got to know Gretchen pretty well. Uh, she when she came and and um, she tried out for Grid um, back in in twenty fourteen. Is she pretty reserved? Yeah, she's she's very reserved. I, I would yeah. say Gretchen is just a very classy person. That's how I would. I would, you know, I would, that's how kind of what I would say about her characterize her as a very classy person. Okay. Um, but, but Gretchen, um, yeah, she had this idea and, you know, she was like, listen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, CrossFit can't be in the Olympics because CrossFit is, is, is private, right? It's privately owned. It's, it's, it's a brand. It needs to be a nonprofit. So she, she, um, yeah, she, she decided, Hey, I think that this has legs. I'd be interested in trying to do it. And I think she's doing very well. I don't know if it'll make it to the Olympics. It's really fucking hard, man. The hoops you got to jump through. It's really a challenge. It's so political. It's such bullshit. Yeah. But, I don't respect them as an organization at yeah, all. I'm, I'm, it's really, yeah. it's crazy. Like I know some of the stuff, you know, I kind of try to stay in my lane and I'm just a coach and, you know, but she's, she what she's dealing with i know and then she'll you know apply to to get this and it takes two years and you've got to you know you you've got so many people coming out of the woodworks with dissension and and it's it's really bullshit but but i think she's doing extremely well and and you know you look at the people who um who competed and who have competed over the last few years i mean holty just won 
individually, you know, um, uh, the IF3 championship this past year. It's been, it's taken a hit from COVID just like, just like everything else. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and the USAFF has been cool. I've met some really cool people, um, and, and, uh, and, and had a lot of fun, you know, going over, went to London, went to Sweden, you know, so we've gotten to go to some cool places and compete at the IF3 world championships. But from that, you know, um, I've, I've coached some really great athletes. And then obviously one of those athletes has come and, and moved to Vegas, um, in, in Matt Lugos, um, who's now part of, you know, essentially part of our family, you know, so that's, it's been great, but yeah, the IF3 is cool, man. It's fun. I, anything that gives athletes opportunities, Savon, man, I've always been a part of anything that gives athletes opportunities. It's why I got into, to, uh, CrossFit, you know, was to, to help people. And then when I started coaching athletes was to give athletes opportunities to help them reach their maximum potential. Then in grid, it was like, well, these athletes can make more money. Fuck. Yeah. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Or, um, you know, I have three more opportunities wherever we can you give know athletes opportunities to be athletes, man. What's cool to hear you say that is that's what Greg would always tell us that r- business is about giving people opportunities about and and i remember oh, when he spoke is. when he went when he went and spoke at harvard he gave them a definition of business that was so different than their definition of business and it was so cool to see him be in this room full of these harvard mbas and kind of just fuck them up right like it's about other people it's about giving other people unique opportunities he had a great definition of business he gave them one they didn't they don't even have a legitimate one <clears throat> Anyway, yeah, that's cool. And, and and your message is consistent like that in all the podcasts I've heard you do. You're about giving yeah. athletes opportunities, even though I don't agree with some of the ones you're suggesting. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, yeah. Matt, that picture you just pulled up, there's so much good looking in that picture. It's, it's uh, really – it awesome. It's just oozing from that picture. It's hard to, it's hard to look at without turning your eyes. That's going to be a quick mate. That's going to be a quick mate. So much good looking in that picture. Oh my God. (laughs) Justin, this uh, past several months, I feel like you've, um, your, your like next pursuit has been to kind of assemble a team of coaches around you for the, for underdogs. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah, for sure. You know, it started with Tommy Hackenbrook. Um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So Tommy's one of, one of our guys. And, and then, uh, you know, we, we put together a really strong group, um, you know, Casey Aker, who, who won the CrossFit games, uh, upper extremity. Is it Acre? Is it Aker? He says Casey Aker. Yeah. Really? It's spelled, it's spelled a Cree. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's good to know. I always like yeah. to try to get the names right if I can. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Colette Casey, who's, who's, uh, who's, I think she's going to make the games 35 to 39 this year. She just won Wadapalooza, but she's, you know, kind very of, competitive division. Oh yeah, because she's a fucking monster. Just wait, she's 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 Who's gonna this? be right. Say her name again. Her name is Colette Casey. Um, okay. She came in. She came in twenty first, less than a year after having a kid last year. Um, and this year, she just went down and smoked Waterpalooza in that division. And she's gonna be, you know, listen, it's top ten. It's really, really hard. I'm not, I'm not happy really about wish, that. No, you and me. Because both. if you, if you, anyone who, anyone who thinks that that's not a that thinks that's a good decision, please go back and find an article that Chad Schrader wrote when they first changed it to 10 because, and I know they've added another step to the season this year with the semifinals, but it's not a live competition and it's not the same thing. And there is historically a lot of athletes that finish 11th through 20th in their respective master's divisions that are not just top 10 threats, top five threats that are podium finishers and occasionally winners of their division that we're not going to get to see compete this year because they're not good in the online formats. They can get in in 20, but the difference between 20 and 10 is a lot. 
Amen, dude. I agree a hundred percent with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, get, getting back to the, the coaches, uh, Tommy Colette, um, you know, Casey, uh, Connor, Connor Martin running our, our team. Uh, you, you know, the Martins, the Martin family, Savant. Um, yes, 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 Jeff yes, yes. And yeah, they, 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 um, you know, brand X method. So Connor yep. came on board and, and is, 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 oh, uh, wow. running. Yeah. They're running our team. Um, you know, and then, um, and I'm about to do a, um, I'm, uh, uh, you know, we're about to do a team, a team program. Um, so, you know, we've got, have you uh, known them forever, by the way, the Martins, they, they've well, been I've around known, forever. I've known of them forever. Right. And I right. had Connor reach out to me and, and, you know, um, about six months ago, Connor reached out and he said, Hey, listen, we really like what you're doing with, with underdogs. And, you know, we're looking to, for a home, um, for, you know, for us to be able to bring our, our team program. And, and I was like, fuck, okay, <laughs> that's great. You know, yeah. you guys have more Those experience spe- than anybody else. Uh, you know? uh, um, uh, Mickey and Jeff, Jeff, they raised some incredible kids. Yeah. yeah. The, the, those might be like, parents of the century kind of parents uh mickey and jeff those kids are nuts those are special kids yeah okay so we're we're uh yeah man um and then uh you know brian i mean i think the biggest thing for me is i i I want to i kind of look at myself as is like i'm you know i'm the general manager i'm the project i want to bring in people who are who are better than me right like i want Mm -hmm. i want people who um who could just who can just keep leveling like, like, um, you know, one of my right hand guys is, is a guy by the name of Kiefer Lamy. He's the head programmer at Invictus Boston. He, he had his own, um, program called, uh, stronger by design. The guy's fucking smart. And, you know, like I, I love, I love bringing in people who are super smart. We, you know, who, uh, who I feel can, can bring something to the table that, that, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm a really good generalist, but if I can bring people who are who are better at specific things and, and constantly just level up and 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 bring you know more and more value to the athletes, you know that's great. We have a guy now who just took over our um, you know business operations. Who's who's great, Jared Graybeal. He runs his Alos games. Uh, he was um, on this show, I think. Yep. He's like yeah. a, a really religious guy, right? Uh, he is religious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he did. He said, you guys talked a lot about religion. Um, but, uh, but Jared, it, beyond being very religious, uh, is, is also just really smart and, and, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who I think can, can, can help drive the brand while I can really, you know, focus on, on, you know, coaching and, and, and giving the athletes what they need, you know, especially, um, the Danielles, the Bethany's, you know, the Rickies, the Matt's, et cetera. So he, he uh, has a lot of life cool. experience too. I didn't mean, yeah, the Zellos yeah. guy. Yeah. He's, there's a lot, there's a lot there to that gentleman. And yeah. yeah did he, so are all these people moving out to Vegas? What about the, you mentioned this guy, Keith or Lamy is, he, how does that work that he's the, um, He's the head programmer at Invictus Boston, but he's also working with you. Yeah. They, so he, you know, he gets a lot of, he gets a lot of, um, he works for us. He does some stuff with, uh, with, uh, black iron training. He, he's, I think he, he runs the nutrition there, um, which is out of Reno. Um, and, uh, he's coming out here next week. Um, but Kiefer, yeah, he's kind of a jack of all trades, but just a really smart, like smart, smart dude. You, you guys um, don't have an issue there. Like, so, no. And, and I'm not trying to create an issue, but so let's say he does a program for Invictus Boston. Like someone goes so to Invictus he, Boston and they're like, oh shit, that's the same programming we have over here at uh, Yeah, so he doesn't, he, 
he doesn't program for, for, for like the Invictus brand online, right? Like okay. he's not, he's not. So, so there's, so there's no, you know, we're not, we're not fighting each other there, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so he, um, they, they kind of do their own thing. They're not, they're not essentially like, uh, they, they have that name, but they're not, you know, they do their own programming. That's not like, uh, the Invictus online program. It's different. You know what I mean? Um, and he's not doing that so that, you know, we're not, we're not fighting each other there. Um, do you guys see, um, how, how good this is for underdogs athletics? He doesn't, Justin doesn't avoid saying that Kiefer Lamy works over at Boston Invictus. He opens, he opens with that. I don't hide the fact that Brian is a reporter at the morning chalk up for the China morning star or that a frequent guest on talking elite fitness or that he's one of it or that he works at the Wadapalooza or as an analyst or at the CrossFit games. I open with that. I, we, we want to work with other people. I want the black belt who teaches at my kid's gym also to teach at another gym. Thank you, baby. And cultivate as much shit, uh, as they can. Do you, do you guys see that? How rising tides raise all ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, fa- it's, fa- it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's, it, it, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's maturity and it's, um, it's true growth. I, I just really like that. You said, you've said that in two other podcasts about this guy. And I'm like, yeah, of course he's proud. Invictus is a fucking epic fucking brand in the space. The, the pedigree that's come out of Invictus is insane. Of course, Underdogs Athletics wants to brag that they got a dude who's who's, who's straddling. And listen, dude, I mean, for me, it's about like, listen, <laughs> I. it's not about my ego. This has never been about me. You know, it's always been about, it's about making fucking money and, and, and doing (laughs) what's and, and helping these athletes reach their potential, man. I mean, like, like that's, you know, like that's what they hired me to do. Like my job is, is to get you is, is to get as many people on the podium as I can, you know? And so if, 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 if I'm going to, you know, if I can bring in other people that they can help me and, and, and some of them that do shit better, well, fuck, who am I? I can't, you know I mean? I just feel like it's 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 got to be selfless man you got to be selfless you're you're cultivating a band absolutely you're cultivating a band right you're bringing in all the best talent from everything that could do because in that way when you guys all get together it makes beautiful music right what if there was a news network like that like you had like like cnn fox msnbc npr all the ink like people from all the bribart they had them all like just a channel where they all came there and reported there It'd be, cool. Cool, it? it'd be cool, wouldn't it? The Savon Network. It'd be cool shit. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you said something about um, about not um, about when you're good at something. That I, what do you think about the fact that how great that you were saying that, that if you're good at running, then, then and, and you get rewarded for it, you'll keep wanting to play tag or hide and seek or track or those will be the things that attract you. So, what does that say about someone like Matt Fraser, um, who? Shows up at the games. Brian, didn't he like take last at a running event one year and then come back and win it the next year, like take second to last, like in a sprint? And then, I mean, what does that say about someone like him? Is that just like, is he just mind boggling that he can go in the lab? I mean, I think his stories is that he joined a high school fucking track team. Yeah, high school. <laughs> and, and, just let the senior, and let the seniors mm-hmm. just beat the fuck out of them for a season. <laughs> I mean, the humility. I mean, what's that say? The guy's not a fucking runner. He goes and he joins a high school track team in the off season, and the next year comes back to the games and wins and takes first or second in the run events. I, I mean, he's again. We're talking about 
you know, once in a generation. I mean, yeah, you know, that that's that's an anomaly. I mean, that guy's a. But you know what I love. Uh, uh, about it's one thing that. to fix a rope climb like rich did N- yeah. not take anything away from rich i think he's fucking a god but yep. but to fix your running that would be like Vellner coming back and fixing his swimming taking like top top five in the swimming we would all be like what the fuck in a I mean, year, steroids can't yeah. even do do that yeah. for him right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. nope <laughs> you know you know what i think about matt though and i think you you see this with a lot of champions is that matt essentially just got to the point where he refused not to be the best like you refuse Mm -hmm. like fuck that there's no like i'm not i'm gonna i'm asleep in my parents fucking basement i'm gonna wake up this Mm -hmm. is what i'm doing i'm eating crossfit for breakfast i'm eating it for lunch i'm eating it for dinner i go to sleep i wake up every fucking day that's what i do rinse repeat like the same shit i refuse to let somebody beat me at this and by the end he was winning every of that i mean yeah he's he's focused on outcome not on image He's not that's how I feel about this podcast. Is, you know, that's how I feel know. about the podcast space, motherfuckers. <laughs> you better watch you know? it. And that, and that's, and that's. I mean, I respect the shit out of it, but there's very few people who can do that. You know, I mean, very few. Honestly, you know that that specific thing you're asking about, Savan uh, Hinshaw has talked about it before. Is that he didn't actually get any faster, but he was able to recover faster than the other people from the previous right. events, and so his relative running was better than theirs in that workout in that setting. But where I do think that his running, where you saw his running improve, was when he just literally crushed the field in the trail run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, is that the one that one year where they made them? They they, they took him to the ranch unannounced. No, no, no. This was this was 2016. It was way before that. They took oh. him to the ranch. They did the trail run, and everyone. I mean, it was. Well, you couldn't go there live and watch it was on YouTube, but basically the people commenting on it were like, here's Bridges in the lead. And then someone was like, no, Bridges isn't in the lead, dude. Fraser came by like 45 seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, remember I mean, it's it. crazy to see. I, so I saw Fraser um, back in the Northeast Regional for the first time. Um, it was uh, it was 2013. Yeah, there was an outdoor one, yeah. Yeah, and he came in sixth. Um, but – we all knew very quickly um, that year. It was like he came out of nowhere. I mean, this guy came from from nothing. He was a Champlain Valley, and they had historically pumped out some really good athletes. Um, and he came out and just annihilated the overhead squad event with so much flair. Like you know, essentially, I mean, he just crushed everybody. And then he was he was he was also like sticking the knife in where he would like hit the lift and then just kind of look around. Yeah. And you were like immediately, you were like, oh, this guy's going to be a force to be reckoned with i don't think any of us thought at all that he was going to dominate the sport the way that he did i just you know but you could tell he was pretty special and he had a lot of the attributes that you need physically to be special um but yeah, I think rudy nielsen i don't know if you guys remember him from that all the way back in yeah, the day yeah and one of the theories that he had was the the higher your snatch was and the lower your body weight, the more likely you were to be CrossFit Games champion. And I remember there was this video of Matt Frazier, I think, snatching 315 with like his shoes untied at Champagne Valley CrossFit. And I think <laughs> he was one of the first people that posted, Rudy was, posted that up into this whole analysis as to why this guy was going to be champion. Interesting. I actually would go, I would, I would alter that a little bit. And I would say that it's actually, um, it's actually overhead squat, um, mm. even more than, than snatch. Um, and I, I, I always say that I feel like overhead squat translates the most to, and it's it's not a it's not, um, um, it's not a surprise that 
you know, Rich Froning and Matt Frazier had elite overhead squats yep. because they were perfect machines to be able yeah. to, to, to be able to execute an overhead squat at a, at a really high level. Um, you, you, everything has to work in synchronization. Everything yeah. has to be perfect. You can't have a weakness. It's the one lift that will fucking expose you That's more right. than anything else. And I always felt like that was, so I'm not saying Rudy's wrong because obviously right. snatch incorporates, right. but I think even more so than that, that overhead yeah. squat. And, and if you look back historically, like at what Tommy Hackenbrook. Do, well, to your point, to your point, Justin, I remember Greg used to set up, I think it was Nicole Carroll at the level ones early days. And they would say, Body okay, here's a 95 pound or whatever it was. And then you would have these massive UFC fighters, Navy SEALs, and they would just pick the bar up. No problem. And she would just start repping it out and they couldn't, you would start nope. to see them get through like muscle through maybe two or three of them because the bar was light enough for them to do that. And then it would just break down and she would still just be chipping away at it. So that's actually, yeah, that further validates the point that you made there. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. About being that perfect machine. But I, yeah. that, 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 that's when I remember seeing Matt for the first time and just being like, Oh, this guy's, He's going to be a force to reckon with. Um, and I, I don't think we knew, you know, obviously at that time. But but then I got to see him over the summer before the next season where he came in second. Um, and I got to see him at, at, at an event called Beast of the East. Uh, and he just dominated everybody. And there were some good athletes there. Christian Harris at the time who was, you know, I love Christian. And Christian at the time was, was you know, really at the peak of, of his individual form. And, um, man, Matt just just – did what he wanted. He just kind of toyed with everybody. And then obviously he went to the games, finished second to Rich, then had kind of a, a brain meltdown and finished second to, to Ben and then, and then dominated for the next several years. So yep. yeah, yeah, guy's a monster. Him and Tia have pushed into this really, um, you, you said a word like, like into the unknown. I, I don't know. You just said something that, that kind of label like no one knows what they're going to do. No one knows what they're capable of. Like, like they're in complete control of the narrative. Like the, it's, it's, and I then mean, when they started training together, oh my yeah. God. you know, so you just put two superhumans in the same room and, and they just, you know, so they just beating each other up every single day. Then you go to the games and it's like, well, this fucking people aren't as good as who I've been training with. And I'm just, you know, I mean, that's, and that, I think it's cool in the sense that like, there's probably no, uh, probably no underdogs, you know, or, or probably none of, you know, you see a lot of these camps that kind of stemmed from, um, from, from that, you know, where it was like, okay, you had a lot of people who were, who were training by themselves. And all of a sudden you put the two best people in a room, they're leveling each other up all the time. And now it's, it's become like, well, for most people, if you're not doing that at some point, it's hard for you to really get to that next level. And it's not always the case. Obviously see Justin, right. Um, but, but in general, you know, there are a lot of athletes who I think have, have really kind of taken that model and are getting better and better, you know, because of it. Um, and I have a little, it, theory, I have fun. a little theory about this is that <clears throat> it's, you need the time alone. Mm -hmm. So ever, if you look at all those people before they were training in a group setting, they had developed, what I think is they developed the mental toughness to say, I don't care who's here or if no one's here, I don't care what temperature it is or what music's playing or whatever. I'm going to go in my garage, my barn, my gym when no one's there and I'm going to get my training in. And you have to build that up over time. And then if you've done that, that foundation, then it doesn't matter. You can be thrown into an environment like an underdogs or a proven, or even if it's just a couple athletes here and there, you can go on the road and train with people as long as you have that base. I like it. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And you see a lot of the, the athletes who 
had already kind of developed, you know, uh, a, a pretty high level of fitness who have then been able to take it to the next level, you know? Um, so yeah, man, uh, it's, it's been cool, but yeah, I agree with you about Frazier. He was, I just think that, like I said, you just get to that point where you, you're already like a machine, you know, you, you've got it inside of you, but then you put that with the, that, that mental fortitude and just that refusal to lose. I mean, it's very rare that you, that you see people who are, who are just not obsessed and dedicated, you know, Justin, how, what is the, from 2009 or 2010, what is the journey of your um, confidence as a coach in the, in the waning and waxing of confidence? And if that's not even a way you want to think about it, don't let me pigeonhole you. If you're like, Hey, I never think of my coach as being confident or unconfident. I think of my coaching as an evolution or how, tell me about just the, the change, but does it change? Because and this stems from a thought of like, man, you are like fine tuning Ferraris all day. Yeah. And like, I would just be so, I personally just find it. I, I don't see anywhere like where I would be con- I don't see any aspect in my life where I'm confident enough to fine tune a Ferrari. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, I think it's a really good question. Uh, over the years. Listen, when, when we first started out, I'll look back, <laughs> I mean, I'll look back at some of the programming and some of the shit that we did. And I was like, oh God, that, you know, <laughs> fuck, that's, that's criminal. You know, like, that's just like, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have done that. Um, but I think. Uh, I, volume I think or just oh like. Oh my God. Yeah. Volume and workouts, like some shit. <laughs> like, oh my God. That's just, ter- that's terrifying. We, I'm know, permanently injured from that's ideas unbelievably like that, by the irresponsible. Way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think you learn that, right? Like as you go and, and, and you, you, it, it's just, there's a lot of it's trial and error. And then a lot of it's, there's no substitute for experience. So really like experiencing that over the years, like what works, what doesn't, but, but I feel like the, the, my, the, the most confidence, like the biggest confidence booster, I would say came between like 2013 and 2016 coaching uh, a couple teams that, that, that finished top five at the games uh, coaching grid, a few teams that won championships and dominated the grid league with a ton of fucking great athletes. Go back and look at who competed in grid. And it's, it's scary how good those athletes were. I will still say the best group of athletes that I've ever seen in one place was the 2014 combine for grid, which was, which was out here in Vegas. It was the best collection of athletes, not the best collection of crossfitters. It was the best collection of athletes that I've ever been around. Right. I always get so defensive when you talk about how great the the grid athletes are. It's so defensive inside. Well, I'm ready, I want to go outside and just like throw a temper tantrum. I mean, I have well, no, no no premise. It's pure ego. It's well, like who was who was on New York the first year? God, you I, know? I don't know. No, well, I don't know. Matt, we Matt weren't allowed. I wasn't allowed to know. Matt I wasn't Frazier allowed to and know. Andy <laughs> well, even in the <laughs> other podcast, you guys right. were giving. You guys were basically saying like, hey. Just because you're a great crossfitter does not mean you'll be a great, 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 great athlete. And you guys were talking about just some of the just insane shit that you guys would see at grid. Just just the craziest shit you've ever seen. And I know you guys are telling the truth. That's why I get defensive. (laughs) Um, Remind me about grid because I wanted to ask you a question about that. Okay. Um, Okay. But anyway, I, I, um, that, that was the time when I felt like, man, like I, I feel really good about my ability. Yes. We should do a whole show where we just talk about Tony buddy. Uh, okay. Probably that's shouldn't exactly record what it. I was going to ask you. <laughs> Fuck, you read my uh, mind. I was, that's hilarious. Uh, man. That's so funny. I have Wait. no mind. I just Dude, use your mind. Uh, Go ahead. Okay. Did. Sorry. I interrupted. Go ahead. Plucked that plucked yes. it from my brain. I was going to be like, 
So tell me about Tony because I want to know. Um, so so yeah, I I felt like I really developed like the the confidence by I felt like I was able to to get the most out of my athletes, you know, in really high pressure situations during that specific time. It didn't have to do, it didn't have to do with programming. It didn't have to, it was more about on game day. Are you able to read a situation? Are you able to, to, to get the most out of, out of your athlete in, in, in really high stress, high pressure situations? And I felt like during that time that I was able to time and time again, when put in those spots to be able to get athletes, to be able to perform at their optimum level. And once I did that, I I felt like, you know what, I feel really confident now that in in any situation that I'm going to be able to do that. Listen, there are a lot of fucking guys who can program. I feel like there's a lot of very good, you know, there's a lot of people who understand how to program. There's a lot of, you know, but I, but I felt like there weren't a lot of great coaches um, on game day, you know, uh, uh, who, who were able to, to motivate, say the things that were necessary at a specific time, be able to, to motivate at a specific time to get somebody to be able to rise to the level that they want to be able to, to rise to. And I still feel like that's a very underrated quality for, for a coach. And it's still my favorite part of being in this game. Like programming. What do you call yes. that quality? What do you call that quality? Well, I think, I think there's a level of discernment of knowing what to say and what not to say. And that there might be something that this athlete needs to hear, but not right now. And to be able to, to just file that away for post-competition and, you know, build and, them up. And more so than that, there's there's something that this athlete needs you to say. But if you say that to this athlete, you are going to totally crush their whole fucking weekend. You know what I mean? Like it's understanding personalities and being able to understand, like, what does this person need at this specific time? And if you can't read that situation, if you treat everybody the same, then you suck as a coach. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. That's just the way it is, you know? Um, and that's And that's kind of like you know, I feel like that's been one of my strengths. And, and, um, you know, I also feel like it's a strength of my wife. I feel like she's amazing at it, you know, and, and, and she's also there like in the trenches a lot of the time doing that stuff. Like that, that it's not a coincidence. If you look at last year's quarterfinals that my wife coached, um, or judged, I was a judge, judge coach during quarterfinals, you're kind of coaching and judging at the same time, even though they say you're not supposed to, you really are. Um, she judged two event wins, like in the world, she coached two of those wins or judged two. Of those uh, wins. Wow. It's not a, it's not two out of five, right? She, co- she judged two out of uh. five. We, we had three out of five in the same gym, right? And, that, and now obviously that has to do with talent, but it also has to do with knowing how to motivate and knowing how to get the most out of somebody at a specific moment. And I, and I feel like that's really something that we don't talk about a lot in this sport. We always talk about programming, 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 which is very important, but it's also about like, you know, you could program the same, you know, you'd have five different programs. They're all excellent programs. How do you get the best out of that athlete on game day? Like, how do you do that? Right. And, and I feel like that's, we don't talk about that a lot. I think that's undervalued. Um, And personally, I think that that the ability to do that is, is set up day after day after day with the relationship building, the conversations in and out of the gym and the trust of the trust. Athlete. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Trust. Yeah. Yep. Trust is fucking huge, you know, and it, and it takes some athletes a lot longer than others. I, you know, like you talk about with Danielle, like how she doesn't trust anybody. And I would, I would now challenge that and say that as much as Danielle can trust someone, 
I feel like she trusts me and my wife now. I, from, I feel from, like from, from, from my computer screen, I feel like I see that between you and her, by the way, too. It's mm-hmm. crazy because we did this interview with her and then, and then over, and then it was like, it's probably been a year since I had her on and did that full length interview. And since then, what I've seen between the two of you through my computer screen and my TV set seems to be like, oh shit, she does. I, I'm like, there's some contradictions in, in the person I interviewed and what I see her having an exchange with Justin Kotler. Mm-hmm. So, so it, mm-hmm. I agree with you. It does look like that even from, you know, thousands of miles away there was this thing that um i I had a ufc fighter on the other day or i heard someone else interviewing a ufc fighter i can't remember where i heard this but basically you can have two if you don't have metabolic conditioning when you get into that ring you will not get it through through mental preparedness you cannot you must train metabolic conditioning first but you can lose it through in the ring with poor mental conditioning so you have two guys who are let's say a 10 in their metabolic conditioning, but one of them's mental game is good and one of them is bad. And the guy whose mental conditioning is bad will ex- expend. Basically he, he will frivolously lose his metabolic conditioning through his bad mental preparation. Mm-hmm. So although mental preparation won't take like mental preparation, taking to the next level is for already people who have all the fundamentals. And I think that's what you were saying. Like, Hey, and, and that's where you are. You're saying as a coach now, like, hey, a lot of us can do this stuff to get you physically prepared, and now it's the part to, like, execution, mental, physical. Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. And I agree with that, you know. I mean, you can't – listen, if your fitness is not there and you go into a competition, you're going to be exposed, right? I mean, and engines win championships, so I agree with, with, with what, you know, with what he said. But, you know, you, you, you take a look at a lot of athletes who, when they get to the games, right um, – physically um very just minor i mean you know 0.001% differences on specific you know specific movements um you know and and why do some people why are you able to rise you know to the next level and somebody like Carrie, who you know just mentally was able to do that but there were specific moments you know that um when i like to tell the story about when Carrie fell off the rings, right? And and she knew at that point in time that the podium was not going to happen, right? She had dropped now, I think she was in fourth or third going into that event. She dropped down to seventh. Um, and we knew. And it was the one time that I had seen Carrie be even remotely mentally defeated. We were sitting in the bowels of the Coliseum, right? We're sitting down there at the bottom. And, and Carrie was just one of those people that never got too high or too low emotionally. And I could see that she was crying. And it was, you know, it's, it's very strange to see that from someone who, who you never see that from, who's not emotional in, 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 in practice, who hasn't been emotional as in, in competition. And you see her crying because she, it was the time that she realized, like, I'm not going to make the podium. And I was so fucking close to making the podium. It was right before the, the event, The Standard. Do you remember the event, The Standard? Um, which was, uh, which was 30 clean and jerks. Um, it was grace 30 muscle ups, Isabel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was sitting down there and, and, and it was that time as a coach where you're just like, what the fuck am I going to say? Like, what am I going to do here? Cause she's got to go out there. She's not at a hundred percent physically. She just, she just fucking, you know, got the wind knocked out of her. If you saw her in that, you know, in an event where she would normally crush in burpees and overhead squats, which are great movements for her. And she was, you know, she looked like she had just been hit mm-hmm. by Mike Tyson. Right. Yeah. And then, um, so we're sitting down there and I'm thinking of what the hell can I say? And I look at the leaderboard and I see that 
if she beats Haley and she beats Amanda Barnard, she will catapult above them and be the best American female that year. Right. So I looked at her and I said, I know you're, I know you're hurting right now. I said, but I know how important the title of top American female is for you. If you go out there and you beat Haley and you beat Amanda, you're going to catapult to fifth and you're going to now be again for the, you know, third year in a row or second year, third out of the last four years, you're going to be the top American female. And it was like at that moment, tears were gone. The fucking competitor came back that drive and it was like laser focus. She went out, she did exactly what she needed to do and she catapulted to fifth and finished as top American good. female. Very good trivia question. Between 2016 and 2020, only one American woman beat Carrie Pierce at the games. Justin probably knows, but I don't, I don't I, think a lot of people would know. I, I, I know, but do you guys know? I don't. It's Anil. Oh, fuck. What <laughs> happened Reed. to her? To Man, she was a now, right? savage. Yeah. Oh, she was something special. That that was, a, uh, I'm going to say this in, in the most loving way possible. By no means did she, th- there's these, there are some women in, 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 who, are, who are like men. Not because of the way they look, not because um, they just have a fucking like a cowboy swagger to them. That girl, and it, it, it's not to detract from her attractiveness. I found her, uh, I found her super special, Tennille. That was a dude. That I think maybe I interviewed her once, and she had like four brothers. Like she grew up like playing in trees and shit. That um, she's as sexy as they come. Don't get me wrong, people. When I say a dude, but that was a fucking. That was not a normal woman. That was a spe- what happened to her. I can't even remember. I believe you brought up her name, Brian. To Neil, holy she, shit! Uh, I think she's really focused on family now. She went and had a baby. She, she's yeah, she's mommy. a woman. She's um, a woman. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Man, <laughs> holy fuck! That's like Tarzan's. That's like Tarzan's wife. Like that. That was a special. I didn't. Movie. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Justin. I was just yeah, yeah. Oh, that that was was but, but really, oh, all I was saying Neil. was like, it, it is you know, it's it's, and, I, and that's not that's not a story like pump my fucking, you know, what it what it is is just how you can affect a, an athlete yep. in in the most stressful times or when something really goes, you know, awry, right? It's not according to plan at all. Like, how can you affect them? And and that's what I have the most fun with in this. Like, I still love that more than anything else. And I think that goes back to also bringing the people around you to be able to, to, to do a lot of the things like in preparation so that then I'm able to really focus on the stuff that I love to do, which is, you know, that, that kind of game day preparedness and, and getting people ready day after day, like in the, you know, during a workout, what can we learn? What can we analyze? How do we get better so that on game day, we're as strong as we can possibly be. And it's, it's fun, man. I don't know. I have a fucking blast. I love it. So cool. Seven, I, I don't want to cut you guys off, but I got to go in about five minutes. Okay, then let me ask you this question, Brian. When I think of the greatest victories in the history of the sport, um, of, of all the events, not the greatest athlete of the sport, I think it, it, it can never be a man because I, th- in, in my mind, that can only happen in an event where the men and women are competing against each other, and it's when a woman does it. And that that it, and it's just weird that I go there, uh, but it, it – make it forced into such a small, you know, wedge, but that victory that Carrie Pierce had where she beat all the CrossFitters in the world and and the more modalities it is than usually the greater it is that what event was that? I can't remember the details of it, but I just remember her beating every human being on the planet and being like, Holy fuck. That should be like, 
That's that's got to be like some title of its fucking own. This is like this is mind boggling. What was it? Was like are you talking about Mary? Atalanta. Was it Mary? Yeah. Did she end up beating every CrossFitter? Mary or Atalanta. Well, both, both, but I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about either, but just and when I right. hear when I, I just remember hearing that one year and I remember it had handstand push ups and all this crazy shit, and I'm like, think, holy fuck, she smoked everybody. I feel like it's probably Atalanta just because of the um the 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 you know the hugeness of the moment, like the gravity of the moment. Because it she needed to win it, she needed to get a little bit of help, but she needed to win it to podium. Um, and that was and she just went out like, you know. I mean, it was it was either I'm going to I'm going to die or I'm going to win. It's one of the two. And she beat all the men and all the women in the world. Yeah. That was at the games. Yeah. That was at the know? games in 2020. There were there were only 10 athletes who did the, that event, but she beat them all. And in the games in 2019, there were still 30 people on each side doing Mary and she beat all of them as well. And that workouts are very similar in terms of there's a huge volume of, of gymnastics. And she did that mm-hmm. twice. <clears throat> yep. It still should not happen. And it was, and like, I've, I've been a little, not critical, but just like I've added the comment that like, you know, range of motion is a massive factor in Mary. However, Matt Fraser and Noah Olson both have range of motion on their side and they were racing one another for that event win. And she still outperformed both. Of them. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. And Noah nice. Olson, you have to understand like Noah Olson had not won yeah. any events at the games prior to that. That was so important for him. So like, and he was defending, like fending off Matt the whole time, and she beat them both. Like, it is pretty insane. Yeah, isn't it I, great I having Brian around? I can just pull something up that I know nothing about. It's just like, just like, like, and and he can make turn it into a good story. Thank Brian, you, Brian's, you're the Brian's pretty. Best. Brian's pretty amazing with the shit because <laughs> I, I I I pride myself on on numbers and really knowing the history of stuff and brian will pull some shit out sometimes like, yeah I, I didn't even know that like, yeah. yeah but it's yeah. i can only only thing i can equate it to is uh, you having perfect pitch it's like i can't explain it i don't i can't sing a, a note accurately to save my life i couldn't tell you I'm an actor from any movie but for some reason the crossfit stuff just sticks awesome you're jam- um, Justin, um, we will have you on again as we run out of time here. There is one question that um, everyone who listens to the Sevon podcast um, needs you to answer, and um, it comes from Eric uh, Wise. Can Colton Mertens win the games? <laughs> uh, wow. Careful. He's listening. Yes. Be very careful. But he, 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 and Bergeron, the end of the show. And Bergeron said he cannot. He cannot oh, win man. the games. He's five uh, foot four. He's 185 yeah. pounds. I think it's going to be real tough. I think Colton will make the games, and I think Colton is a hell of an athlete. I think it will be very challenging for him to win the games. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that, not to that's say because he's not of a fucking it, savage, though. I mean, that's that's because, he's a beast. That's, be, that's because of his size? Yeah. I, I, I think ultimately it will be – there will be events where – there's just nothing, you know, there's not, I, I find it very challenging it, it, over a five day event now, which apparently it is, um, you know, a five, a five day competition with 15 to 17 events. There are going to be a few in there that, that are too punishing. I think um, at his stature, I think it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. They've announced even, that if you zoom, even if you zoom, they've, uh, they just announced that it'll be five days instead of four, which I yeah. thought was another positive change in that same email, the same Hopper email. But uh, if you just look at the podium historically, like it's nothing against people who are shorter than this or people who are taller than this. I mean, Fikowski's a little bit of an outlier. So go way back. Spieler and Bridges are outliers. Um, 
I guess Tommy Hackenbrook would be an outlier, but like there's a couple guys historically that have gotten on the podium being over six one or under five eight. Fraser is an outlier in that regard, but you basically have to be in that range to be consistently up there. And uh, that's just that's just what it's the history of the sport says so far. They still never won though, right? I mean, they were on the podium, but they still never won. Those guys. That's so crazy on the men's side. I mean, obviously you have Medeiros, Fraser. I, I mean, I think Fraser is an outlier size wise, but he's an outlier in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and then you got Ben Smith, Rich Froning, Graham Holmberg, Miko Saylor, Jason Keefe, James Fitzgerald, and all of them yeah. are 5'10", 195, basically. Yeah. You know, plus or minus a little bit. Yeah, yeah Justin will be receiving a, an email from CrossFit HQ DEI about that comment <laughs> saying uh, Colton's too smart. I'm sorry, Justin, that <laughs> I lured you into that. Um, I'm totally fucked. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. And, and the final question, are there any surprises um, athletes coming to, I heard Fakowski is coming to underdogs athletics. Is that, is that <laughs> no, true? Is, not true. Is, is, no. Are you sure? Yes. I'm positive. I Cause like I do have a pretty good source. Um, <laughs> I do have a pretty good source. We, we've already got our six, six, four guy. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. All right. Is, oh, is there anyone? God. Is there anyone coming that you can't tell us that that, you, that that's courting you or that you are in a um you know a dance with now? Are there no, athletes? Not, that, no. Not right now. No. Not right now. I think we're we're gonna we're gonna roll with with who we got right now with with Danielle and Bethany and 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 Ricky obviously. Um, but then we've got um you know with Big Maddie and we've got a couple of youngings you know Alex uh Gazan is someone you're going to hear about she's really really good uh obviously we got Scuds here now and Scuds is is working her ass off to try to get to that next step and um you know and we have some few people that'll fly in and, and play with us during the year you know they'll come and train um and I'm sure we're open to it I'm gonna love that stuff you know um but nobody I would say right now that uh I've been in discussion with that it's that's going to be um coming on board that that's going to make, you know, big news or anything. I think everyone's kind of set with their coaches right now for, for the year. And then usually there'll be some shuffling after the year and then we'll, we'll see from there, you know, just curious from a, from your perspective. I mean, if you were in the, in the business of recruiting athletes, is this, do you think that, you know, the, after the semifinals targeting the athletes that maybe just missed it or whatever, that's kind of the sweet spot to try to say, Hey, if you guys are looking for something else, come our way. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, possible i'm not i don't really do that i'm not i don't really love you mean you don't poach you don't you don't fly an airplane over the mayhem empire it could be the same but it could be the same (laughs) it could be the same question for athletes you know is that a good time of year that's a good time i think it's a very good time um i also think you know i'm i'm getting more and more interested in in you know as far as like the longevity of looking at the longevity of the sport looking at you know kind of tapping into um, teenage, you know, a lot of the teenagers and a lot of the younger athletes, um, you know, who's going to be the next, who's going to be the next. And, um, oh, just check, you know, check we, out our article from last week. Oh, I'll dude, you know. I know it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it, it really is incredible. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in watching that. And then obviously like, you know, that, that's something I think as a, as a brand, you know, something that we, are really interested in um, is gro- is grooming the next you know big group, which is again why we, you know, why we got in cahoots with the Martins because they're so knowledgeable about teen athletics. You know, it's it's such a 
I think it's it's really not an extremely well understood um, market as as far as even programming is concerned. You know, you see a lot of the team programs. It's essentially just the elite program, a little bit dumbed down. Where ours is completely different, you know, and, and a lot of that's just because of, of what's necessary anatomically, um, you know, and, and so that's another discussion. But yeah, I would say that was a dig at you, Colton. That. that was a dig at you, Colton. <laughs> it had nothing to do with Colton. Um, but yeah, <laughs> anyway. Um, Brian, what, what article are you talking about, Brian? What article are you talking about? Oh, the, I don't know what it is, the Young Guns upcoming this season. Last year, Tommy and Patrick and I collaborated to do one, and we were. Uh, pretty good, and so um, this year we did it again. I don't uh, see it. I don't see it because it's probably not under my byline. It's probably under the morning chalk up since there were multiple um, authors. All right, I tried. I tried. I tried <laughs> to give you a handy as we get off here, uh, Justin. Uh, we definitely uh, will need to do another show where um, where Brian's not here hijacking the show, talking about <laughs> athletes and numbers and shit. Um, where we just talk about singing and Susan, that's your cue to pull up the comment from an hour ago where it says, Oh, I'm glad Brian's here to get some. Oh, God. <laughs> let, me you, let me tell you something. All, all the you haven't been on in like a month, and every time there's a comment, Oh, Brian, I just try not to address it. Brian finally ditched Sevon. Thank you. I'm like, yeah, There's lots of them. God, people love saying you ditched me. Um, he did ditch me. This is just a one night stand. Brian just came over here to get a piece. <laughs> Oh, you had such a great, attractive guest on today in every way, so I couldn't say oh, no. Thanks, just dangled the Justin Kotler shit. Come over to my house. I'm having Kotler on. Brian. I will I'll also yeah, say I this. I also should say this. Like the last five times I've committed to a show, you guys have rescheduled the time of it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You, you have committed to a couple of them. We, we haven't had last-minute switches. Sorry, Buddy, we ball over here. We ball. We switched this from 7 to 7.30. We, we, we had uh, uh, Nikki Rodriguez push the fucking young shirtless man push this um, old Kotler out for 30 minutes. <laughs> Brian, somebody said you look like the liver. I'm assuming they mean the liver king. Oh, they're saying you look like the liver prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness! Do I have something exciting to to Squad share zombies. with you guys? Yeah, <laughs> that's great. We all got him. All right, quickly. I got I got to go, guys. Yeah, okay. Sure I. Justin, Souza, Justin, uh, Mr. Thank Friend, you. thank you guys. Thanks, brother, brothers. Thank you guys.